0: Happening weirdos, it's uh, it's Pete, and this is my podcast. You made it weird, uh, where, because we get it, We talk about weird stuff. It's a loose premise. This is Martha Kelly, who I adore on the show Baskets, one of my favorite shows. If you haven't watched Baskets, you have four seasons of uh, deliciousness f- ahead of you. So check that out. And uh, I do want to plug something kind of kind of secret. Not super secret, but I'm only promoting this on the podcast. I'm not tweeting it. I'm not gramming it. I'm not doing press about it. I put out a record called Pete Holmes Living at Largo. We only did a single press of 500 of them because I wanted to make something special. and I wanted to make something uh, for the you know diehard fans, I guess, stand-up fans, um, that is limited edition. We're only going to do 500, and I'm only going to promote it here. Um, it's basically, the premise is I wanted to record a real show, not a special taping, not a finished, polished, shot, edited, performed product. I wanted to show what it's like when you come to a real show at Largo and just see me improvising, see me working out premises. It's a really great show, obviously, um, but I wanted uh, warts and all sort of thing. Specials aren't really special anymore. But I wanted to put out something that was truly special and unique. And uh, all of the profits, all of the proceeds from the record are going to the Littlest Tumor, which is a wonderful organization. So this is not for profit. This is not for business. This is just for the fun of having a record that only 500 people will have. So if you want to check it out, I know some of you were saying you couldn't find it last week. Go to 800, the number 800, Pound Gorilla Records dot com slash Pete Holmes. So that's 800 pound slash Pete Holmes. And you'll see it there. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's it's just fun. We did it. I got off stage. I didn't even know. We didn't record it with the intent to make a record. But they record all the shows at Largo. And me and Flanny were like, that was so fun. Let's just put it out as a vinyl. And that's what it is. So, so grab one uh, if you'd like. If you're nasty, as I like to say. Um, I also am doing a monthly show at Largo, which is where we recorded that. You can go to Largo-LA.com. Every month in LA, I'm doing a stand-up show. Just go to the website, look for Living at Largo, and you will see it once a month. Please come out. Always means a lot that the fans come out to the shows. So hopefully I'll see you in September uh, is the next one. And then obviously October after that, I don't have to tell you how a calendar works. I also want to give a shout out to our Pete's Picks. Pete Picks, as you know, are not traditional ads. These are products that I used first and foremost and loved and fell in love with and then reached out to the company to see if they'd be interested in giving you guys a promo code. And they did. The first is the original Pete's Pick, which I have here on my desk, which is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. Obviously, it's made from hemp which is one of our great plant allies, but they use science to remove THC. THC is what gets you stoned and they leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. CBD for me, uh, anecdotally speaking, is a wonderful mood elevator. It's an anxiety reducer. It uh, increases my sense of well-being, my sense of calm. I love it when I travel. I love it when I'm working and I feel a lot of stress. I'm feeling a lot of stress at work. I will take some CBD. And the great thing about CBD as opposed to THC is it gives you that sort of edge removal quality without taking you out of the game. You can focus. You can work. In fact, I find it easier to write when I'm taking it. My brain just sort of eases into the flow of whatever it is I'm doing when I take a little bit of CBD. I like the original formula. Um, it's it's used to be called Everyday Advance. It's the original formula now. It's a little bit stronger, so it's a little bit more expensive, but I can literally just take a couple drops of it. It's almost sub and just get that goodness glowing from inside of me. You can also get, they make uh, hemp-infused balms and creams, so you can get it on you topically to soothe your skin. It's a wonderful feeling. Really kind of hard to describe, uh, but everybody that comes up to me on the street that says that they tried it, they love it. So the best thing to do if you want to try it and show your support of this podcast, just go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY19 and you will get 10% off your order and see what all the hubbub is about. With one of my favorite things, Charlotte's Web hemp oil. The other one, speaking of plant alloys, uh, allies, excuse me, for people that are trying to eat more plant-based nutrition but don't know where to start, I just turned my friend Science Mike on to cachava, something that I take almost every single day, probably every single day. Uh, whenever I have a smoothie or whenever I'm at home, or actually I travel with it as well. This is the quickest and easiest way I've found to get plant-based superfood nutrition into your diet every single day. Uh, it's made of some of the most exotic, nutrient-rich superfoods that have been revered by tribal cultures for centuries. Literally, when I tra- called cachava, uh to talk to them about this partnership, We had to wait for their CEO to get back from the jungle. He was in the jungle. (laughs) These are the real deal adventurers. Uh, It's not just some nameless, faceless corporation. These people go into the jungle. They find wonderful things. They study them. They try them. And they put them into this uh, one simple product that is basically a nutrition overload. I would wager that most people, if you drink a cachava smoothie, are getting more nutrients than most people get in a month. It's 100% plant-based. There's omega-3s from chia seed and flax seed, which is a wonderful place to get your omega-3s as opposed to fish oil, which I always picture just an anonymous barrel of bottom-feeding fish and a, just being pressed and some gross oil oozing out. Get it from plants. It's got eight superfruits. It's got 17 greens and veggies. It's gluten-free. It's soy-free. There's no artificial sweeteners or preservatives. Just got enough coconut nectar in there, which is a low glycemic sweetener, and enough powdered coconut milk in there just with water. Makes it creamy. Mixes with the raw cacao. It's like a chocolate milkshake. They also make vanilla. Still has cacao in it. Still amazing. Digestive support built right into it. Adaptogens built right into it. 24 grams of plant-based protein, nine grams of fiber. You drink one of these in the morning, keeps you full for hours. It's basically like a meal and a pill. A lot of people I didn't know this take cachava as a meal replacement for weight management. I take it because it makes me feel amazing, helps me function at the top of my game. I love it. And as I always say, Val loves it. She not, normally doesn't like the weird hippie things that I bring, bring into our world, but she loves cachava as well. So if you want to show it, and try it. Try it and show your support of the podcast 20% off if you go to Kachava, dot com slash weird. You'll get 20% and get some sweet, sweet Kachava into your life. That's it, guys. Hope to see you at Largo. Uh, Largo-LA.com for tickets. And I'll be announcing a tour soon. Uh, PeteHolmes.com for tickets to that. After Labor Day, they'll be available. And in the meantime, enjoy... The wonderful chat that I had with my pal, Martha Kelly. Get into it. No. <laughs> I keep it. I keep it. I haven't used it in months. But it's honestly, it's a monument of hope. Right. Because I'll often be on the road or like we were just visiting Val's parents and um, I don't know. When I get away from the city, I'll start planning maniacally for my life. Not maniacally, but passionately. Right. i like, when I get home, like, enough fucking around. Right. Just do it.
1: I love planning stuff.
0: Yes. A Whether or not like I do it, life. I... What's that?
1: Planning like a new life. Yes. That's
0: it. So if I didn't have the elliptical, even though I don't use it, I wouldn't be able to plan... Right Do you know what I'm saying
1: Absolutely I look yes. forward
0: to a thing that's not coming But that feeling that it's coming
1: Yeah Is
0: worth having the elliptical
1: Yeah Well <laughs> It makes me want to get an elliptical
0: <laughs> Do you have my notepad Oh th- there isn't one I think in the second drawer down Katie And then don't Not the red one Let's grab the yellow one The red one's filled with crap Thank you so much Thank you but i love maybe more than anything thinking about getting in really good shape
1: me too although i have to say when i i used to go to bikram yoga four to five times a week really and i loved it and it made is that me the sweaty want to one? go every day yeah well, they're and all so sweaty ones. my plan is to go back after i get ankle surgery um i've had an ankle injury for I feel like this is very
0: (laughs) on-brand. Like, if I was describing your comedy persona, I'd be like, ankle injury.
1: I've had a haunted ankle since 2014, but I didn't have health insurance. Oh, no. So I ignored it. Don't make this
0: riff serious. (laughs) Sorry. What happened to it?
1: Um, I just rolled it and... um,
0: Fucking
2: feet.
1: Yeah, and I didn't know this until recently. If you... If you roll, let's say you roll your ankle and it stretches out a ligament, Mm -hmm. because you have several down there, Um, if it stretches out and it doesn't heal immediately, scar tissue forms on the stretched out part, so on its own it will never go back where it's supposed to be. I wonder
0: if that's what happened to me, because with foot injuries, I do not fuck around at all. If I think I rolled it Mm -hmm. or sprained it or anything, I just go to the doctor. I just immediately go to the doctor because... If you in my experience, if you don't go for it right away, if you don't boot it mm-hmm. or elevate it or ice it or something right away, yeah, it's a lifelong injury.
1: Yeah. well, I'm um, finally saw an orthopedic surgeon and got an MRI last Friday and I s- so hopefully I'll get surgery and uh, and then when it heals, go back to bikram and then be a completely different person That's always, <laughs> <laughs> that's always the goal.
0: Yoga is always my goal too. There's a really nice yoga place right near here. And I used to go when I had a talk show. This is the backdrop from my old talk show. Nice. And when, yeah, it's fun, right? And when I did that, I did yoga probably like that many times, at least four times a week. And I loved it. Yeah. And it was, but it's, it's, I'm embarrassed that this is so practical. I would go like, I would do it to psych myself up to be able to host a show. Like I needed a goal. I was like, I can do this. Like I'd be in the middle of a difficult pose and I'd go like, I'm hosting a talk show. Yeah. Like, I needed that one th- for one.
1: I feel like hosting talk shows is um, <laughs> one of the hardest things for a stand-up comedian, Less- as far as types of show business jobs. Yeah,
0: that's true. We were just talking about it last We watched The Comedians in Cars with John Stewart. Uh, Val and I were watching it last night. And John is incredible. One of the best that's ever lived. And we were sort of saying, like, no matter how good a daily show is, so not the Daily Show, just any show that's every right. day, you can always. Val said this, and I laughed. She was like, "You can always tell they thought of it that day. It doesn't yeah. matter how good it is. <laughs> that's why you need someone like John Stewart, where you're just like, I just like this guy. Yeah. I like this guy. I like what he does. I like how right. he moves. I like how he talks. Because if it's just living and dying on the jokes, I mean,
1: it's hard. It's also, I think, hard for stand-up comics to interview people on camera because i'm i'm i don't know if this is true i'm just making (laughs) it up i assume that um any stand-up comic on a stage with a camera on you you just want to perform like that's that's the compulsion of being a stand-up
0: right and this is where we got what lena was sort of teased for was that he he would be on right
1: right and you're and it's hard all- not it's yeah. hard not to be but in order to interview someone and find out interesting stuff about them, you have you can't just only be performing. I don't <laughs> know how people not. I don't know how people do it.
0: Well I was you know, after my last show was cancelled, I was like maybe I'll do like a filmed version of this podcast, right? right? That was just like an idea I had. Yeah. But you and I both know. <laughs> If there were cameras on us. Yeah. First of all, I do podcasts all the time and I get there and they're like, would you like makeup? And I'm like, this isn't a podcast. I just start screaming <laughs> like a crazy yeah. person. This isn't a podcast. Like, I, I And I'll say it on air. I'll say it so many times. You'd think it's out of my system. And then we start rolling and I just continue... Yeah. I want it on the record that I am protesting that this is not a podcast. This is a podcast. Right. We're in a shitty garage and I'm wearing stretchy pants. That's a podcast.
1: Although I did put makeup on, but I didn't use powder because it's a podcast. Thank
0: you. Well, and women, I
1: don't want
0: What a sham. Um makeup.
1: Yeah, it's funny what there's a there's a guy on um Twitter right now who just is dunking on women my age over and over again, even though he's older what do you mean dunking um he's just i he's
0: going after you his, with
1: a plum he is ta- just he's tweeting about how women over forty who it's- don't have kids are basically. Worthless and have made a horrible, why, taken a horrible turn. Why you turn. see
0: this? Why um,
1: you because because all my. Um, I'm assuming
0: that stuff is happening, but someone in your family forwards it to you.
1: No, no, it's that I follow people. I follow a lot of comedians, and they will reply, reply and make fun of them, which is fun. Um, and he's totally um, someone who's just trolling everybody. Mm -hmm. But it does. it's a weird thing with makeup because on the one hand, if you don't, unless you're like um, a supermodel, if you don't wear it, there will be people shitting on you. Why aren't you trying harder? And if you do wear it, guys like this will be like, you're just trying to trick men into having sex with you even though you're not fertile anymore. That is his whole thing. That's what he would say? Yeah. So this guy, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to give him any publicity but donald
0: he's a, trump <laughs> i'm sure trump
1: feels i don't want to kinship. give him any more
0: followers yeah potus
1: not motherfucker
0: let's not even martha yeah. this is a friendly i'm just kidding you can talk about whatever you want
1: i don't want to talk about trump because i can't do it without get, becoming enraged
0: i'd love to see you enraged well, i'm having a hard not time not, not laughing at everything you're saying it's not because that i different. i'm such a huge fan val Val comes up a lot. I really only hang out with Val.
1: Well, that's, <laughs> that's nice, wife. though. Yeah, it's nice. You're best friends with your wife. That's True. the dream.
0: It is the dream. You know? It is. The, it's what, what I always wanted. Sometimes people would be like, Do you marry your friend or your lover? And I'm like, What are you going to be doing with your fucking
1: <laughs> weird
0: yeah. fuck buddy when you're 70?
1: Well, it's all I think,
0: squeaking and stuff,
1: but everybody has di- a different capacity for intimacy. You're so right. that's very maybe some people don't want or don't feel able to have that. I don't no, know. You're, no, you're you know, you're absolutely
0: right. That was that was really nice.
1: But um,
0: <laughs> I don't mean to grade it. I just appreciate it because you're absolutely well, not everybody. A problem in my family is thinking what's right for you is right for everybody. And that's a problem that I inherited. I don't want to point fingers, but I definitely got it from my father.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But everybody, I think, is like that. I mean, I'm I'm like that. Um, I wish that everybody would um, just fucking tip (laughs) more and...
0: Tip more cash? Yeah. more throw down more cash?
1: Be more generous, be more, you know, like, more active. Can I? Just,
0: sorry, more active? Uh
1: in helping the less fortunate because i when trump was elected i did think (laughs) (laughs) i like anybody who wasn't um richard spencer was alarmed and more than alarmed i i heard you say that right afterwards you were around and you were like Wait, people are still drinking coffee? It felt like the end of the world.
0: I know. I I remember that. That was right on the street. I was walking to get coffee, and I was so comforted that people still needed a pick-me-up. Right. After such a a, big thing. It was a big thing, and we're still like, yeah, I'm a little sleepy.
1: It felt like the end of the world. I walked my dog that day after the election, and I was living down in Redondo Beach at that time, and we were right in the middle of filming Baskets. And I walked around that neighborhood. The TV thinking, show,
0: not just B-roll of baskets. We
1: were just shooting B-roll <laughs> of me walking around with my dog,
0: <laughs> whose name is Basket.
1: Whose name is Basket?
0: Very confusing.
1: Um, I was really angry that Zach stole my dog's name to name his <laughs> show Baskets. It was very Can we rude. have
0: one? You're going to remember what you're saying because you're walking your dog, and we're not going to forget. Can we right. just appreciate the joke in Baskets? It's in the pilot. It's one of the best pilots of all time. Where he's in French Clown College, and he plays a slide whistle. Yeah. And then it cuts so quickly to Zach's pad. He's taking notes, and he writes down French horn, (laughs) question mark? I think that might be one of the greatest jokes of all time. And it's the editing. It's how it's timed. Like, it's, it's a good joke, right? but it's sort of like we're saying with a talk, ho- talk show host. It's the way the tone is so clear and set yeah. so clearly in that pilot. It's a great pilot. You could do, like, a, a class just about that pilot.
1: It was really fun making the pilot, although I was terrified. I'm going to write down
0: dog walk in case, in case we don't remember.
1: It's dumb. I was just going to say it's not fun. Well, and was... I'm going
0: to write down pilot in case we don't. I'm treating you like Zach on the show. You realize that, right? Like I'm doing You're this. Not. I'm doing this. Like, oh, it's fun. Fi- like Martha's funny when someone's being rude to her. You're not <laughs> okay. Good.
1: You're not being rude.
0: Okay, I got both written down. So whichever. Just one Just
1: that I was walking around thinking: Are all the people behind these doors in this suburban neighborhood? Are they all Nazis? Like, do, am I? Are we in? a Nazi country and I didn't realize it because of white privilege. And now it's here and we're doomed. And so that's why I love your joke about, Oh, people are still drinking coffee. You're like, okay, maybe it isn't, maybe it is all hope isn't lost. But I did think right after the election, if everybody in the world who has way more than what they need, just gave it to people who don't have enough, Um, we could change the world no matter who the president was, no matter who the Senate or, um, house of representatives or world leaders, we could,
0: there's a lot still in our hands is what you're
1: saying. But the problem is people don't, we don't believe we can do that. And, um, and then a lot of people who have way more than they need are so insulated that they don't, they, they check out maybe Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. don't help other people as much isn't that
0: kind of the american dream that you felt that you were sold it's like get get big and powerful and rich so you can be in a, in a mansion on a hill like not just literally but metaphorically it's like you're over there you're mr burns and the simpsons you don't even know what's happening down on the streets or in the tavern you're eating you know right. quail eggs yeah i feel like that's never explicitly said to us but like checking out yeah. It's like part of the dream. It's like you can be Daniel Plainview. You don't even know what's happening. You're just eating a steak in your own bowling alley. <laughs> and killing a guy.
1: Wait, somebody has a bowling alley in their house, some famous person. Chris Hardwick? Does he?
0: Does he? I just assumed. I don't know. And that is an insult. I <laughs> I'm just kidding. I used to Your ankle injury Chris is his own... Well, he's a bowler.
1: Right. His dad was a like professional yeah, bowler, you knew right? Yeah,
0: you knew that. Um, Here we are knowing that.
1: But I used to... How fa- do we both know that? <laughs> um,
2: no, I'm kidding. Keep going. I'm
1: sorry. I used to daydream about having an ice skating rink, being rich enough to have an ice skating rink in my house, but also to have those... <laughs> um, you know on movies when people wear the... Um, the vest that is a harness and they mm-hmm. use it to fly.
0: You want to be lowered onto the ice.
1: I wanted to have a mechanism keeping me from falling so that I could learn how to do jumps and stuff. And, um, oh my
0: God, that's like the matrix
1: um yeah but that was when i was like in my teens and 20s i thought that would be really fun it's
0: a very creative dream i love that dream
1: but not that's not even if i had millions of dollars i wouldn't do that now
0: can i say i i i always get nervous when i talk about politics because i I don't want to say the wrong thing and i'm a little bit i'm not as informed as a lot of my friends like follow everything and they know what they're talking about um When we say Nazi, like I did a show in the Midwest, I forget where it was, the day after or the Mm -hmm. two days after he won. And I remember having the same sort of feeling where I was like, are these people all secret? You said Nazis, so we can say that. Um, I think when it's one of the real dangers that keeps us in a fearful place is looking at each other as caricatures. And what I've noticed is when you treat someone like a caricature they start acting more like a caricature and this goes both ways like like extreme liberals extreme whatever you want to call the other side
1: the only um so i definitely know people who voted for trump who are not hateful nazis yeah um and i'm in 12-step programs and in those um communities we don't talk about politics that's one of the traditions yeah you don't talk about politics because you're Coming together That's for one purpose. That's what gets me to go to a
0: meeting, by the way, because <laughs> I just want a break. <laughs> Trump is at it again. Like I'll tell oh, some man. stories if I can be with fifty people that are just like, "Man, this is what it feels like to be human." Instead yeah. of like, "Did you see
1: what he tweeted?" Right. But here's Sounds the nice. here's the thing that is alarming to me is that um, that there are people who want an authoritarian, white supremacist America, and Right. They support him and he – as he loses the people who voted for him because they didn't think he was going to be that bad, which I think a lot of people did. That, that's the heartbreak of of um, our institutionalized inequality across races and classes is that a lot of people who voted for him didn't think he would hurt anyone and thought he would help them, Right. and thought that the people who were outraged about it just didn't like him because he wasn't a politician and said s- stupid and he, shit. And he
0: wasn't like tiptoeing around. Right. He always like I always thought it was stupid. Please hear me clearly. I am very, very, very anti-Trump. Not I <laughs> on board. And in my quieter moments, but when I've reflected about it, I've been like, what is the appeal? And I was like. He's kicking ass. (laughs) I I don't think he really is. He appears to be a guy who kicks ass. And all of our movies, watch The Avengers. What is the story of The Avengers? Kick ass. And I love The Avengers. I'm not shitting on The Avengers. American mythology is kick ass. And don't don't be offended. What I'm saying is, when I've tried to relate, I'm like, oh, he's the dad that, like, estranged. He's estranged. But one day in junior high, he came pulled you out of class, and took you to Disneyland. Right. And we've been... And then there's this feeling like maybe he'll do that again. Right. But that's his energy. Hillary is like... Like I'm not saying this is real, but I feel right. like she was perceived as more like, of course you go to school. You go to school because you learn, and when you learn you go to college, right. and when you go to college you can go to Yale. And when you go to Yale you can get a, you know, like right. go to business school and everyone's yeah. like, "I want Drunk Dad." Drunk Dad's like, "We're going to Disney and we think right. that's love, but really he was just going to scout it to buy it and you'll never see him again." <laughs> like, you know, right. what I mean? that's what it feels like to me.
1: Or he But when people
0: pretend like they don't get the appeal, I'm like, "What are you, a Nazi?" I'm like, "No, he's a bully." And when I was in junior right. high, I made friends with the bullies so i wouldn't be bullied yeah i made friends with them that was my only play right sorry i got passionate
1: well that brings up a no i I feel feel like (laughs) your
0: tone makes me sound more passionate (laughs) i feel like that's a normal level for me
1: (laughs) i didn't think that you were too passionate i i do think that trump is also like who the um the dad or the stepdad stepdad is better Who um is an absolute monster but then when some other bully beats you up that stepdad goes to that kid's house and just beats the shit out of their dad right
0: which is fucked up but in a movie is awesome like in reality you're like jesus christ like everyone hates it but those are the types of movies we like it's like someone hurt you and like when people are hurt and scared and feeling ignored, so that, that I can get on board with. I'm like, that is a human emotion. We right. can all feel afraid. We can all feel overlooked. I, can, I could understand the idea of drunk stepdad who goes to the house and kicks the ass of the bully and his dad and steals mm-hmm. their dog. That's kind of his energy. <laughs> is and that wh-
1: where Brody came from? <laughs> that is dog? where
0: yeah, Trump, <laughs> it was actually Trump when he was on The Apprentice <laughs> gave me that dog. <laughs> It's weird, but it was a great gift.
1: Well, and it's a great dog, it's and that dog. makes it okay.
0: But I'm glad that – it's interesting. Again, I, I'm always nervous talking about this stuff, and when when liberals pretend like they, they, they don't understand anything that could be possibly sort of secretly titillating about him. Right. I'm like, yeah. But, it,
1: but I also know people who didn't like him and voted for him because they believed that Hillary was really corrupt, and – part of what his part of his winning strategy was yes democrats and republicans are corporate owned politicians so if you talk about the corruption in washington dc and, and you and you call <laughs> hillary and the clinton dynasty if you if that's what they would characterize it as as a as corrupt like yeah there is they're right like there's truth there's pieces of truth in that The problem is that Trump is more corrupt than anybody. Well, that's the
0: showbiz of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It feels a little bit like a circus or a salesman or the drunk stepdad. What it is is to complete that analogy is it's like the drunk stepdad pulls you out of school and takes you to Disneyland 20 years later you realize he did it because he was running from the cops or something you know what I mean like it was never about you and that that's something that's like so specifically dad heartbreaking you know what I mean it's like I thought it was love but it was just all about you it's a it's a narcissist
1: and narcissists need scapegoats they can't Sustain people's love just on their own merits because they're narcissists and can't give you anything. Yeah. So if they have a scapegoat, that's so funny. Then they can be like, well, I'm protecting. Get out of here. This well,
0: podcast is over. <laughs> this podcast just, is over. I'm just I've seen you stuff. have compassion and perspective and, and uh, even patience, dare I say.
1: But I'm just repeating stuff that I've. <laughs> Who
0: cares? Isn't I that made what we're it up. Doing? I'm
1: a genius and it's time everybody found if out. If we
0: had to make up interesting things, if things were only interesting if we made them up, I'd be the most boring person <laughs> in the world. I am const- constantly quoting, as Katie Lang once sang. It's a constant craving, Joe. (laughs) I got to go. You know what I want to say? I was going to do this as as stand-up, but I don't think I'm going to because I get too nervous when I talk about politics. But what I wish for everybody, for liberals and conservatives or whatever, I don't even know what to call everybody, but for everyone. I was like, I'm a vegan, but occasionally I ate a cookie. And I wish we could just go that there's some moments when you just go like, I remember when I met my first um, hardcore, hardcore Republican, and I was so in awe of him. Who's so principled? This was in college. I was somewhat conservative too, and I just never met anyone political either way, to be honest. Right. And I was like, "Holy shit, this guy's incredible!" And then at a certain point, I realized he was kind of just towing a line that wasn't really his. Right. Like he he started getting to. I remember the issue that it was. I was like, "Well, what about tobacco?" And he was like, "It's an American crop. It's a good crop. It keeps American farmers." And I was like but it kills people. Like, what are you talking about? But he was sticking with his party. And I wish people would break vegan and eat a cookie every once in a while and say like, look, I like what Trump is doing even in this like fucked up way or this fucked up way. But like, we could use some gun control in this way and maybe in that way when it comes to human lives. You know what I'm saying? And I wish liberals could also eat a cookie and go like, look, this, 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 this and then concede some point. I'd like to see more concessions. I'd like to see more sitting in the middle and go like, yeah, I'm not just gonna like be one thing and not the other because that's where we get into trouble.
1: And I think that um, it, I think that actually people that's where we
0: get into trouble. What am I on C- <laughs> C- CNBC. I don't even well, know what I'm saying. But there I'm are people. Which, what are you stop pretending like you're a series, a, a, a group of beliefs that you didn't even make up.
1: Right, but there are people now, Republicans and conservatives, who are. Um, criticizing Trump so and that and people who aren't going to vote for him again I don't want to get my hopes up because I was so horrified in 2016 but then in 2018 we did have historic we had that was a historic election in terms of how many people voted and a bunch of women and non-christian white women and gay people being elected like it was historic in a lot of ways So I do have some hope for uh, 2020, but I don't want to be... I don't want to be... I
0: understand. My um, uh, Trump fantasy is always that he would take LSD and go like, oh my God. (laughs) I can just go like,
1: wait a minute. But narcissists, I don't think that... It wouldn't work? I don't think so. I think when narcissists take LSD, they have a bad trip or they have a trip where they're not considering any world It's stuff. just like
0: another God trip for them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think You're narcissists right. and, and psychopaths can get better. Um, the only saving grace that Trump has is that he's also just a complete fucking idiot. Um That's our only hope. <laughs> if we got a smart psychopath in the White House, which we, I think, probably have had, but right now, if we had one with the ability to turn us into a, a an authoritarian state, you know, it was very scary.
0: It's actually interesting. What you just said is interesting in another way. I mean, anyone who would want to be the president, similar to anyone who would want to be a comedian, <laughs> there's right. something kind of like there's like a almost like a Seinfeld. Why are we listening to these people? <laughs> like, right. if you are crazy enough, even Obama, take Obama, who we love. Right. That's, that's a crazy person that's like, I want to be in control <laughs> yeah, of everything.
1: And yeah. when I
0: walk by, I want everyone to go, hello, Commander-in-Chief. Like, that is it. That's the right. dream. Like, as cool as he could seem, somewhere in there, there's someone, there's like a little voice going like, you're goddamn right.
1: Yeah. And also, it makes me think, like, why? So, supposedly, the American uh, dream that we were taught in America by... Our own propaganda is that America was formed as a um, a rebellion against monarchy, mm-hmm. and that George Washington be- could have <laughs> could could have <laughs> become king if he wanted, right. and he had the moral. Is turpitude a word? Yeah. And doesn't mean what I think it. It means? removes paint. Oh, uh, then he had the moral <laughs> turpentine to say, <laughs> um, "I don't want to be king. We shouldn't have a king." let's have a elected leader yeah. but now i feel like why do we have one guy who gets to decide everything also in the senate why is the majority leader the guy who gets to why is one person having that much power mm-hmm. even though they're elected they still once they're in office have in my opinion too much power and i like if there were some government modeled on 12 step programs there their traditions are like our leaders are but trusted servants. You have to rotate leadership. If so it doesn't
0: get corrupted.
1: If you're the secretary of a meeting, you don't get to decide anything it just means you show up early and set up the chairs yeah and that's what leadership that's what I should be.
0: being 90 percent, 90 percent is
1: chores. moving chairs around
0: there's folding chairs there's unfolding chairs
1: that's what keeps people sober if you're spending that much time putting chairs in different places you literally <laughs> run out of time to drink And that's why I love it. Brian
0: Scalero told me this story about he worked with these special needs kids and they would give them fake jobs. This sounds like I'm joking. No,
1: I know. Okay. But I'm not joking and I'm
0: not trying to be funny or mean. And I've told this on the podcast before, I'm sure. But in one room, they would have them um, taking apart pens, you know, those Mm -hmm. pens that are clear. And, And then they'd put them all in the boxes, the different parts. And then in the other room, the other half of the kids were putting together the same pen. Right. Which is sort of like dark and poetic and sort of lovely and sort of haunting yeah and it's sort of like we're all just taking apart pens like some people hear that and they're like oh those poor people taking apart pens i'm like aig is just different pens like you just go in and do different pens like i understand that you go on vacation and you have a car so you feel like your pens are important but we're all just sort of putting out chairs taking apart pens going on a website like it's all just pens yeah (laughs) but there's a freedom in going it's just pens
1: but there's also something about our psyche that makes us want to do something that feels purposeful yes um i don't so
0: weird right
1: but it's good but it is good like our capitalism can pervert that into justifying really low paying jobs that people have to work 60 hours a week and say, well, sense of purpose, you have a sense of like, no, you're being worked, you're being exploited. But I do think people have a, a need. I worked for a few months at a um, place in Austin that had, um, developmentally disabled people. It was a state, um, like it was called the state school, but people live there and they had, um, work that they would do. They would get, A ride to this place and they would do Really simple tasks they didn't Have to if they didn't want to Um, And I think it was partly In large part just to give them Something to do other than Nobody Gets through unemployment Without some uh, degree of Depression even if you don't Lean that way if all you have to Do is just sit around and go what am I What am I going to do you get depressed
0: It's super weird that that matters in some fundamental way but it, it does like yeah it's i guess it's evolution like the 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 monkeys that got things done bread i don't know
1: i don't know yeah don't
0: fuck me like you're getting things done dale <laughs> that's a monkey talking <laughs> to another prehistoric monkey i can tell you're just doing this for the sense of satisfaction i'm not your pens she knows this podcast <laughs>
1: I thought you were talking <laughs> about Dale Baskets and that you Oh were, my God, I definitely said
0: that. Dale because of Dale Baskets.
1: Dale's my favorite character because he's an absolute monster and it's funny to me that he's the worst person.
0: I sometimes confuse Chip as the lead.
1: Chip is the lead. Okay,
0: and Dale is the brother.
1: Dale is the brother who I'm sure... D- yes. Dale
0: softens though from time to time.
1: That's what's endearing, and that's part of why in-dailing. I endearing. Part of why I love Zach so much is that he can pl- he can, <laughs> he can play just an absolute dipshit monster who, at times, you feel sympathy yeah. for.
0: and you know what he's doing, if I may. He's uh, rightfully taking advantage of the fact. Everybody tells Zach. I've told Zach. I've seen other people tell Zach. Like, he just is funny and likable. Right. There's a warmth to him. He just looks like a corduroy jacket, like a a broken-in brown corduroy (laughs) jacket. That's who he is. (laughs) So it doesn't matter if he's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're still kind of like, I like this guy. Somewhere underneath. So it's almost the George Washington is to decline the warmth and the likability and to go the other way and say, no, no kings. (laughs) Does that make sense? He could have just been like, yeah, everybody liked me, but he, to be funny, like in the service of the laugh, he was like, I'll do unlikable things.
1: Yeah. He's, in my opinion, Zach is a genius. Um, and now that uh, the show's over, it's not as gross for me to say Wait, that.
0: Wait, 4 is last Seas? Yeah. C's I
1: haven't four, seen. 4 is our last season. I've only seen
0: the... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh... I've only
0: seen the first three of Seas 4.
1: Um... Season 4 is probably my, in terms of the... What
0: if you were like least favorite season?
1: <laughs> no, it was my it, I, it was my favorite season in terms of the stories that happened during the season. But season 1 will always be my favorite because of being on the set pretty much every day, all day. Yeah. And how that takes you out of any, any problems that you have in your life. It's your pen's. It's your, yeah. No
0: fooling. I was going to yeah. say, I'm glad you actually jogged my memory because I was like, do you, I did, not to be too leading in my question. What I liked about making TV was there's nothing else. Yeah. It's That's the That's all
1: you can do. <laughs> Every
0: email is replied, I'm shooting. Yeah. And there's a there's a snowed in goodness to that. Yeah. And then you are just about the pen that's in front of you. Take this right. pen apart and then do it again. And then even as an actor, you're doing every take a little bit different, or maybe you guys seem to improvise a lot, maybe you'll say a different say it a different way, and right. then you get that sense of satisfaction.
1: Yeah, I love that. I also think of it for me as being a perfect fit for my um addictive personality, which is I want to just be doing something that that's all I'm doing. That's right. So anytime I like something, I want everything else to go. And luckily, that set was like a lovely place to be. I haven't had that many acting jobs, and almost all of them have been fun. I had one which I won't say anything about other than it wasn't fun. And I think – what?
0: The show Bones.
1: The show Bones, when I was the star of the show Bones – it yeah. was really <laughs> not that fun because they had thought they were hiring a man oh and it hurt God. my feelings on a lot of levels. Wow. Um, but yeah. it was,
0: that's my favorite season of Bones <laughs> is the Martha <laughs> Kelly the season. The accidental
1: season Yes, why Bones? is it for
0: no reason? They don't address it? <laughs> they keep calling her the regular guy's name? It's uh, It was tough. Script didn't change. But, but, but your addictive you're, personality you're, likes doing...
1: Yeah, if you're stuck on a set with people who aren't, nice then the, that you're trapped in a nightmare but luckily i've been really lucky to and especially baskets where john kreisel the showrunner who directed every episode was like you know easy going even keeled uh energy and so zach no matter how tired either one of them were they they never were um shitty to anybody yeah which then makes you yep. feel like Okay, so when I have a 4.30 a.m. call time, um, I have this safety net of... With the coyote? With the...
0: <laughs> Is that a 4.30? That looks like a 4.30. That looks like a night shoot, actually.
1: That was a stretch of days that were all super early. And um, <laughs> by the time we shot the part where um, where we're driving the coyote back to the desert,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I was... Um, on thin ice and i did thin ice! i snapped at our ad sally sue lander and then over an intercom i snapped at her and then over the intercom i said i'm sorry i was a cunt to you just now
0: over so everybody's hearing this yeah You're in because a everybody
1: heard me snap at her so yeah. i should also apologize but is there the, audio
0: of this because i'd love to hear you snapping
1: i hope that they have i bet it was you being somewhere. like
0: Oh, Sally Ann's. what is it?
1: Well, Sally Sue, no. Sally we,
0: Sue, you go straight, <laughs> go straight to hell.
1: Well, it wasn't, it was the tone. It wasn't that I was, it was, so the way they shot the scene where the coyotes in the backseat of the cars, they had a, a little cart, motorized cart with the cameras, and I had to drive at the same speed as the cart, and then they had, so they, it was, to me complicated for a smart person. It might've been real easy, but I was also tired and I was like, go a little faster then keep side by side with the cart and then fall back. Mm. And I kept messing it up and they told me to put on cruise control. And that's when I snapped and said, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do that. Every too much is good. Like that's how I snapped. Yeah. And then I apologized. But the thing about John and Zach is that it made me realize like, it doesn't matter how tired I am or how insecure I feel, it is possible to not snap at people you work with and that makes you happier. Yeah. So that felt like a like a guardrail to to not be with people who did shit on cuz there's it's really an ugly spiral if you are acting poorly and feel remorse and guilt. Um, and then just keep doing it because you can. Yeah. That's, that's that's how it
0: was on my show. I'm
1: just kidding. I mean, why not? Kidding. If you're I'm the kidding. star, I'm not the star. <laughs> I'm so totally I couldn't joking. be a cunt. I'm but you're kidding.
0: saying, I loved it. You're saying that Zach could have been a. a
1: Absolutely. You know, he could have been. John could have see, been. See, my concern weren't.
0: with a, with the baskets would be not because of who Zach is, but if anybody is movie famous and then makes a TV show, right. my concern would be like middle of season two are you gonna regret this because this is my job <laughs> like i really like i'd be like i need this <laughs> like, but obviously right. zach is not oh, that no, way right. you know what no, I'm saying? i
1: know you mean like um like i would have please been... don't let this
0: be a whim for the hangover guy. yes
1: yeah. yeah of course but and obviously
0: it, he's not that kind of guy
1: i didn't um when he called me about the pilot i was living with my parents barely Barry on brand barely barely Elevating holding your ankle.
0: On, <laughs>
1: really barely holding on to a job a copyright an online copywriting job which is borderline scam um like
0: wait is a copywriter
1: the the kind that i was was basically <laughs> you kind. try to outsmart um search engine algorithms by creating a ton of web pages for someone who's selling something and using keywords so that when Google – I don't understand how it works, but I think of it as Google sending out feelers yep. when someone says vacuum cleaner. And if your website says keywords over and over in the background. Right. And that's what that kind of used copywriting is. You see it as is. like
0: wallpaper. It's like you'd yeah. see text as the wallpaper and you're like, oh, this right. is a trick. Yeah. Wow, so that's what you were doing. And this I don't is like know like you can do that. I uh, was involved in a light bulb scam, like a telemarketing light bulb scam. <laughs> it wasn't like a scam scam, just like your job, but it was like yeah. morally ambiguous.
1: Yeah, you're yeah. trying to outsmart a service. Is your house it,
0: dark? <laughs> Are you tired of Watts? People. Why do they call them Watts? How about Wens? How about how? How many can I put you down for? Hello? hello um wait the call to dial tone
1: that reminds (laughs) me of somebody i know can you dial it i know somebody who had god i can't think of it was a comic or just a another friend who had a a a relative who was a door-to-door salesman and their their pitch when someone answered the door was you don't want to buy aluminum siding do you that, that was how so they funny. would sell it. That w- it's actually my friend Nate. I just remembered his uncle was a door-to-door salesman. He would just go, "You don't want to buy this, do you?" And then it leave. work. No, he hated doing it and wasn't good at it. So oh he, my God, and that was why he was bad at it. I couldn't, I couldn't be- sell anything door-to-door, even if it was something I knew oh people my God. wanted.
0: I know, I know. It's we terrifying. had a guy come by for solar, which everybody wants solar. They're like, it pays for itself. Yeah. It's good for the earth. But I still felt bad for this for this man yeah. who had to show me a video on his iPad. I wanted to just be like, Great, we'll, we'll take it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just get out of
0: here, please. He had to do the whole spiel. Like That's, I feel like he needed it was his yeah. pens. Those were his pens. He needed to
1: do the spiel. When my um I lived with my parents from uh early in my sobriety until about five years sober and then I moved back to Austin. And the day I moved out, my mom and I became really close and we never had been my whole life.
0: And, okay. But as
1: a result of like therapy and recovery, and we just ended up becoming actual friends. No and way. So the sad thing is when I moved back to Austin, the day I moved, my parents bought a really expensive vacuum cleaner from a door-to-door salesman because it was an hours-long process. And that was what they did to deal with me leaving like was every they, time i talked glenn, to my gary, mom gary
0: glenn ross they just like talking to salesmen
1: it was just they normally don't buy stuff like that but that day because it like my mom and i both when i said when we said goodbye just hugged and cried for i don't even know how long we mm. never had been close like that but it was sweet that's what they did to deal with me leaving was yeah. just spend an afternoon with a door to door salesman and yeah. buy this several hundred dollars worth of vacuum cleaner.
0: Wow. It was really sweet. I, it's, you never know what people need. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's weird that we go around withholding the fundamentals of humanity, that sometimes yeah. you have to go, like back in the day, I'm imagining a village situation where your parents might have been closer with their neighbors and then the store and all that stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they're recluses. I'm just saying we would have been more on top of each other. Yeah. I just spent the week the weekend with my in-laws, and they have kids, so my nieces and nephews and our baby was there, and it's it was impossible to be depressed. Yeah, we were just constantly surrounded. Every room felt like another scene in the TV show. Right, like oh, in the kitchen, oh Val's um, chopping. Do you want to chop? Or, or you could take uh, Wyatt out for a walk in the woods. It's a little boy. He's four. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a four-year-old for a walk, or do you want to hold a two-year-old on the on the porch, or do you want to play with a baby on the rug? Rec- like yeah. I was like, this is this is like the cure. This is like what people are talking about. Yeah. When the, when they're talking about good family, which is not necessarily <laughs> right. what I felt growing up as much. We we were just kind of a rockier road.
1: Me too. But
0: this was. Tell me, I'm very interested in the mom thing. I don't know if you saw me light up. It seems like it ties into your sobriety. What I'm interested in is not being close to your mom, getting sober, moving back in, and getting close. Could you tell me that story?
1: Yeah, but I just... Spoiler alert, she died two and a half years ago, so it's not a f- happy ending. That's
0: okay. This is this is Except- listed under comedy because there's no pseudo-spiritual, somewhat funny podcast subcategory. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, she... Um, we were... I felt estranged my whole life from her. I felt like... Only um, child? No, I have a twin sister and a brother who's a year and a half older. And then um, from my dad's first marriage, I have a, a brother and sister. But they were a lot older and grew up in Massachusetts, and we grew up in California. Oh, wow. Well. Um, I just never felt... Uh, I didn't feel like she liked me. I didn't have any rapport with her. What and kind of
0: h- woman what style of person was there just a personality conflict
1: well what i think now and and uh after i got sober and and lived with her and got to know we became friends Mm -hmm. and i stopped going to her for mother um for mothering you know and i went i started seeing her and treating her like a fellow human being what was her name bobby ann
0: so you just Started seeing her as Bobby. Ann. I
1: just started seeing her as Bobby Ann Kelly, and um, Bobby and Kelly. <laughs> she sounds um, like a
0: serial killer. I'm sorry, but it does. Bobby Ann Kelly.
1: It does sound like this because they a lot of them do three have names. three names. Three names.
2: That's all.
1: Um, but I realized later, like I was a lot like her, and that's what was difficult for her. Uh, so if you if you grow up not being valued for your unique personality, then When you have kids, if they remind you of the things in you that your parents rejected you over, it's really hard. And also she grew up in a time where nobody got therapy, nobody engaged in, very few people engaged in like self-analysis and therapy and all that. So um, she didn't realize that that's what she was doing.
0: That's right. It's a luxury that you and I have that we're both just like, oh, she was projecting, you know, like all this language we have. Well, she was feeling inadequate because she was being judged, and then she was doing that onto you and she was really just hurt people, hurt people and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Like, that is so... I watch old TV and I'm just like, wow, like even if it's a drama, I'm like, none of these people benefit from just basic ground level uh, armchair um, therapy stuff.
1: Right. And also... I, I should say, like, she wasn't... My mom was not mean to me. Uh, it was that she just was somewhat detached and uh, with un, un- unintentionally withholding and rejecting.
0: But not to the others?
1: Um, From to, your perspective? To a lesser extent. She definitely... My sister and my brother had a different... Um, had a closeness with her that I didn't have. Mm. But when we would go home and visit her family in Texas, like her mom, my mom and my grandmother hugged the day we got there and the day we left. And there was zero affection between them in between. Mm. And they would both cry when we left, but there was no display of affection from her mother to her. Yeah. And this is some good work,
2: Martha. So (laughs) it
0: really is. But I, I hold my parents to a certain standard and then I'm like, what? How were they parented? This is a key question.
1: But uh, to be fair to you, I'm uh, older, and um, I didn't get to f- have that perspective until my like probably late thirties, mm. and it was a result of like in when you go to a twelve step program and you do uh uh you're you're supposed to do an inventory where you the thing that you use as a catalyst is who do I have resentment against? And then you kind of write down, okay, who is it? Why do I resent them? And then lastly, you try to look at what part might I have in this resentment? Yeah. And doing that made me realize, especially with my mom, that the way I looked at it was like, so she grew and my dad too, they grew up with critical, not affectionate, not nurturing parents. Mm -hmm. They grew up with that. And then they started as most people do start their own family to try and have the family they always wanted, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the tools. And so from their parents, they got, you're not good enough. And then from their kids, especially me, they got, you're not good enough. So they were getting it from both sides. And I felt when I realized that, I felt compassion for them. And the, the most important thing between me and my mom um, was that, to me, the most important change was when I made amends to her for being critical and judgmental and rejecting. And she said she got choked up, which she almost never cried. And she got choked up and said, you know, it didn't you didn't start it. And I'm sorry, too. And the, the, that allowed me to have a relationship with her, whereas some people's parents are so damaged that if you, if the kids, adult kids try to have a different relationship, their parents can't do it. And I don't think that you should, if you have an abusive parent, I don't think that you should just be like, well, I'm going to try, I'm going to be around them and accept their continuing emotional abuse because they had it hard. Like, Mm -hmm. I you was know? laughing
0: while you were talking because a friend of mine told me that his friend was dy- his friend's dad was dying just mm-hmm. to say that like it's not always like right. I'm so happy for you but just it's that your rare. mother conceded like you didn't start it. Yeah. I know what gold that is and I'm so glad that you got that. Um and the story that came to mind was my friend's f- dad was dying. My it doesn't matter. My friend's friend's dad was dying. And on the deathbed they were like it was sort of one of these classic Withholding, right? Dads, yeah. You no know, dads, yeah. <laughs> just and um, everybody was around, and this was one of those guys that never showed any vulnerability, mm-hmm. didn't show any like emotion. And they, and he was going to die like that afternoon. It was going to happen, and they were yeah. like, "We're all here. Is there anything you want to say? We love you." Then they're all opening up. We love you so much. We accept you. Thank you for everything. <laughs> and like, Is there right. anything you want to say? And he said, "I." Love baseball. (laughs) (laughs) And I am like, Jesus Christ, that is the funniest story to me. I relate really hard to that because I'm always – you said I don't want to be – I say to my dad and my mom all the time, like the parenting is over. It's over. In fact, so much of my life is just trying to prove to them that the parenting is over so right. that they will lay down their arms and just sit with me as Jay and Irene, and just be people. And sometimes they can do that. And they've, right. I've watched them grow and stuff. But I'm always afraid for no matter how much I'm like, I love you. I said to my dad recently, I was like, Dad, I just want you to know, because he's a real achiever. I was like, we'd love you even if you didn't bring home the bacon. Like, there's, right. we don't need any more bacon. Right. We got enough bacon. Like, we're fine. <laughs> bacon right. is over. Your kids are grown, yeah. Your house is probably paid off. Like, no more bacon. We don't need bacon. And right. he goes, but I wouldn't love myself. And I was like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, somebody's giving you permission to just love yourself for just being. But, uh, but I also can appreciate his perspective because he he he's an impressive guy. But also, I wish he would yeah. love himself regardless.
1: That's such a um. That's such a thick wall to try and break through with anybody is. Um, like I have a, a, a very thick wall of self-hatred that I've been trying to get through, and I bet a lot of stand-up comedians do, and no matter how great of a set you might have or if you end up being able to make a living as a comedian and have strangers telling you they love you, yeah. that's not enough for you to love yourself. Mm. So that stuff is really... I wish that we could give that to each other.
0: To the to the Martha Kelly point, why is it so important to for me, to, for my dad to understand that we'd love him even if he didn't achieve? Well, Pete, why do you keep achieving? Like, at what point are you going to say, I'm speaking to myself now, I've brought home enough bacon. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can relax with the bacon. But so what I'm saying is, it sounds like we're saying similar things. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. Like, I'm seeing in my father things that I see in myself, but I can't talk to myself as clearly as I can talk to him. Why is it so important to me? These are my issues, right? And it goes back to your mom having the issues with you. Is that what? I don't want to be too obtuse or obvious, but like, was it this? Like, what? 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 It sounds like you had some addiction stuff. What led to that?
1: Uh, I'm not
0: even going to guess. I'm just what saying.
1: led to my addiction or sobriety? Like,
0: well, I'd like to start with addiction, and then
1: what? Well, well, what led my first ad- addictive thing was. Uh, eating compulsively because i did not have the ability to get my hands on drugs and alcohol when i was 13 and 14 so you ate so i ate a a lot i can remember on the weekends eating a giant breakfast being old enough to prepare your own food and then if your parents are doing their best to check out because of the pain that they're in you suddenly you don't have any of the adult wisdom i love it just because I remember that dangerous period of adolescence, where you have the ability to make your own food, and if no one puts the brakes on, and you are an, an addict, yeah, you can. All I would do is eat all day, and I would. I remember. I relate
0: to this so hard.
1: Just being stuffed from breakfast and thinking, okay, in two hours I can probably handle eating some rice aroni. And yeah. being super excited, <laughs> right? About okay, I just have to wait two hours before the, I have room for rice around. Yeah, you know,
0: I completely. I also would 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 as a family embody that sort of behavior. I, I've said many times during, like we we went to Italy mm-hmm. once, and during lunch would be planning dinner, and dinner yeah. felt like it was forty five minutes after lunch because <laughs> it was the only thing that calmed us all down. Right, which of course. I know now is addict behavior. I'm always eating, almost always, for an emotional reason. Like right. I'll catch myself thinking about, like I try to be healthy, and at night sometimes I want a pizza. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, get a pizza. And Val has really been helpful for me. And she's like, just just unpack like what do you really want? And often and you're I-
1: like, I want a pepperoni. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I interrupted. You.
0: No. I want the feeling of sedation that I right. get from it. Yeah. So what is so, okay, so let's sit with the feeling that you want to sedate. Where is it in your body? Why is it so unbearable? Like if you like if you can just bring mindfulness to it, I right. often won't order the pizza. But I know that. So I'll feel myself starting the mindfulness program and I'll stop it because that's right. how badly I want the pizza. I go, shut up. <laughs> Eckhart Tolle, get out of here! And then, and Val said this. I want to say it a million. I want to shout it from the rooftop. She goes, "You want the thrill of ordering the pizza because you feel mm-hmm. a little naughty. You mm-hmm. want the fun of waiting for the pizza because now you're looking forward to the future. Right. So you're not just sitting with your pain, even if it's just like a mild, yeah. psychic pain. You're looking forward to a pizza. Yeah, what pain? It's those are my pens. Pen pizza. Right. Pizza's on the way. So the solution to my problem." Is now being salved by something that is being brought to me. Right. And then the excitement of the arrival, and then the first bite. And then after that, it's nothing. It's just chasing the dragon. Yeah. That's why I feel like an addict. I'll eat the whole thing. And it's not because I want it, it's because I'm chasing yeah. a feeling that isn't in the fucking pizza.
1: Right. It wasn't, but it was never about the pizza. I would argue a couple <laughs> things. One, first of all, I don't eat sugar or flour anymore because no matter how much. I might be able to think about, well, why do I want this? And what's the underlying emotion? If I'm eating that stuff, it's It's in my blood and I want more of it. I
0: feel the same way.
1: But having said that... So yeah, this is what's hard about. What you're saying food. is like,
0: let's not kid around. It's not just like we can't beat this with mindfulness. You need to at a certain point. For me,
1: but there are some people who can. I have a, a friend in a food program. I'm not
0: sure about me, Martha. Who... What I'm saying? I'm not sure because it doesn't <laughs> well, work.
1: It's easy for me to not eat pizza if I never eat it. It's very difficult if I, talking, I try to have it once you're in a you're while.
0: To yourself, I'm but I will. But saying,
1: here's what you. I would you're say. You, <laughs> to you.
0: We're, we're hanging out. But here's the I love me about... on basket so much.
1: <laughs> I loved you and Bone. When you, were, <laughs> when you were the star of bones you um, are
0: karate kicks but so i fun. this is
1: the thing about hit food it, hit it. the thing about food that's more difficult for me than the alcohol and drugs is that everybody loves pizza even people who don't have an addictive problem they get excited about pizza yeah. everybody gets excited pizza. yeah and people it's like you need
0: some food isn't and, that a Louis? Yeah. I think Louie had a bit where he was like, the problem with food addiction is you need some of it.
1: Right. And so <laughs> like,
0: nobody's like, just do one line of cocaine three right. times a day. Right. Like, Although it's just, like, just don't do cocaine.
1: It is easy to completely for me. It, I shouldn't say easy. It's doable to remove, completely remove my binge foods from my normal eating yeah. and never eat that stuff.
0: I'm with you. Black and white is the only. And does your brain take direct orders? Can you just go? No pizza.
1: I have to go to a twelve-step program for in order to get um, something outside myself that is interfering with the insanity of addiction. Because, um, like addiction, the nature of addiction to any substance is that you can go for a while. Doing what you consider being good By abstaining from the substance But your addiction At some point will tell you You haven't had pizza in three months And you've lost ten pounds So what's the big deal? Doesn't everybody love pizza and want pizza? Have a fucking pizza For me the next day I'm like having it For me it's like the idea starts This is how addicts are It starts as I'm just going to have it once in a while and then for me, it's like
0: next thing all you know. day, every day. I'm, can I even say that's how I am with Instagram? I take Instagram off my phone all the time. I put the, all the I put all these like self like timers on it and stuff, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I'll look at it and I'll go once a day, it's helpful for your work. Right. And the next thing I know, it's every bathroom break, which is, it's, yeah. a, it's not as much as some people, but it's fucking too much.
1: I, I love that you have that with Instagram because it proves what I've been hearing people say, which is that younger people are on Instagram, my age bracket, it's addicted to Twitter. I like Instagram, but I'm not addicted to it, but Twitter all the time. Yeah. The fun thing is you get stuff like like uh, Cliff Wife when you do Twitter. With Cliff
2: which Wife? Which you don't
1: see. That's the problem with Instagram. No one's... On Twitter, there will be a... Um, Twitter ev- is
0: more of a minefield. That's where you get... Yeah, it is. Hey, take the makeup off, you it's fucking terrible. liar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: it's take the... It's you didn't have kids, you old crone. Yes. Go jump, Throw yourself off. And is the-
0: that worth it for Cliff Dad or whatever? <laughs> it's like somebody being like, you look like John Ritter drowned. <laughs> And I'm like, thanks. This, this was worth well, it for that Huffington Post tweet.
1: But here's the good side of Twitter. Mm. Well, Cliff Wife is its own type oh, of wonderfulness. Because it's, it's just everybody dunking on the same thing and feeling a sense of community. Because you're making fun of a guy. It's basically a guy said his wife fell off a cliff. And almost died. And then he shows the footage and she just rolls down a little bit of a hill. Uh And it made people so happy for like three days. That's the addictive part of Twitter is sometimes it makes you happy and you can forget that the world is on fire. Right. And then the other good thing about it is after...
0: But you're hearing the world isn't on fire from the same thing that told you the world is on fire. Right. And that, my friend... The world. Is the problem
1: <laughs> and the world is on fire? Right, so. I understand,
0: but but the world is also not on fire. Right, it's both.
1: Yeah, well, it's
0: just dangerous to have something that has the power with one tweet. Yeah. can change how you feel. Right, and
1: but your emotional
0: state changes, your behavior changes, your patterns changes. Yeah, potentially how you eat, how you sleep, how you treat others.
1: Right, but it, here's the nice part: the magic parts of Twitter is. T- uh two things that i'm have just popped into my mind one is when someone will tweet i'm having a really hard time can people just send me pictures of animals cute pictures of animals and then like 70,000 strangers send that but really that a lot of people way more than their followers just send and you're like oh humans are capable of kindness oh, and love funny. Then, I like
0: the ones where they're like, can someone please Photoshop? Like, something ruined this photo of me and my girlfriend, like the sun. Can someone please <laughs> fix it for me? And then millions right. of people fuck with it in every way, yeah. only making it worse. What does it say about me that that delights me but more than the kittens? But that's
1: still, <laughs> de- to me, that's delightful because you're seeing. Oh my God, the creativity yeah, in yeah. people is unlimited. That's yeah. what's fun about that stuff to me. is yeah. like, oh, there's unlimited creativity in humans. I
2: agree. Um, the other, the
1: other nice thing about Twitter is when I tweeted after FX announced that C's 4 is the last C's.
0: C's 4 last season.
1: I tweeted... Um, that it, baskets is ending. I feel like on a high note, and I'm really I love the people I worked with and could not have asked for more. And then, like, 500 people replied how much they love baskets. Yeah, and I didn't. When you find out your show's canceled, you think, Well, because no one liked it. And the, the underlying, it was yeah, I mean, the underlying thing you is you mean that, you
0: wanted to do more, like, Zach wanted to do more.
1: Well, that's the thing is before we started season four, Zach told me four? (laughs) (laughs) Before we started C's four Zach said before they'd even started the writer's room for C's four, he said this is our last CS And so I went into it thinking that and telling, planning for that. And then once we started, Jonathan said that he was going to make a pitch for a C's five to FX. Oh. And then Zach said, because this is how he is, he starts doing it and he's having fun. He's like, oh, I don't, it's okay if we do another season, another C's. Yeah. And then FX <laughs> said, um, we're not going to do that. And I feel like they're well within their rights. we I don't think we ever made them a single dollar. I think best case scenario, we broke even with advertising, with what it costs to make the show. Right. So there's nothing unfair or um, shitty about them not wanting to keep making it. But it does make you feel... But it's when such you- a
0: critically acclaimed, like Louie and the awards and didn't... I don't know. Others of you win Zach, awards? And...
1: No, Zach and Louie were both nominated season two.
0: And Louie won something. And
1: Louie won season one. Ah, he, this means he, so much. He, I can't do it. He won and then was not. Yeah, there, but but um, if there's not.
0: Louie, if you hear that, I love you so much. <laughs> I know, Peter.
1: If if there's not a big audience for a show, the people who paid it get it made, understandably, at some point, are going to pull the plug. The nice thing was, on Twitter, just so 500 people loving a show is not enough people to make it financially reasonable to make the show. But what a fucking lovely day, lovely afternoon to have 500 people you don't know say we loved baskets and we're sorry it's ending like so 500 people is a small number in terms of audiences for tv shows but twitter i want to see
0: martha the character (laughs) marching into fx and go excuse me 500 people said that they like that seems like a promo for season four that would (laughs) like that that would
1: be really funny a character that that. earnestly
0: thinks that that's a good reason these
1: 500 people are watching the show why are you canceling it but it was sweet, so there 's to me like that feeling, that is a good and the feeling human of connectedness moment. and actually, I have people I consider friends that I only ever met on twitter we 've never met in real life, but we love each other 's pets, and yeah. we 've some of us have direct messaged each other in hard times and and been sincere it isn 't you know like there is a way to connect, but there is also like <laughs> People will just... I did Um, This Is Not Happening yeah. two years ago. With Ari? No, the first year that Roy Wood Jr. was hosting, okay. who also a uh, hilarious, lovely
2: yep. guy. Yep.
1: And I told the story, and then like you do if you're an insecure performer, you're like, I did this thing, I, I'm going to get my hopes up that it's going to be well received. I can't wait until it comes out to hopefully rake in the praise that's my fantasy life and so i watched it the night that it aired which is at midnight and then go on twitter hoping everyone's gonna be talking about how great it was and it was two comments one of them was you're lucky that this aired after midnight and then something else was that was vaguely threatening. You're, it was like how it really was. How dare you tell such a shitty story? You have disrespect. That's a word he is. You've disrespected Ari's show with your terrible story. You're lucky it aired after midnight.
0: Like, because nobody saw it. Right. Not because it was a bewitching story.
1: No, because it was... Because you're lucky more people didn't see it because they'd be out to kill you type of vibe. And then some well, other... are we adding that? I'm adding that because yeah. I found Isn't it vaguely... That the danger
0: of these things?
1: I found it vaguely threatening. And then the other guy was... Yeah,
0: aren't we adding that? <laughs>
1: Like, but if, if I, I
0: want footage of who's doing it and how they're doing it, there's no subtext.
1: I looked up this person's account, and he did seem like a bit of a scary weightlifter type. But
0: this is such a dangerous game. I've done it too. Yeah. When you click on their account, yeah, and you're but like, I didn't Ooh. respond.
1: But it it was a it was like if your fantasy life is. When I did this show, the live audience was so great and it was such a positive experience from the hair and makeup people to the producers, everybody. What a great time. So my fantasy life is and this is going to be the magic thing that makes me successful (laughs) Uh. when people get a load of this. And then the absolute other end of the spectrum is someone saying that was so bad That if more people had seen it, they would be petitioning to kick you out of the fucking United States of (laughs) America, you piece of shit.
0: All of that was added.
1: (laughs) But that's... Some guy could
0: have been like, I have a crush on this person, and I'm going to neg her.
1: No, he was mad about it not being what he thought was good. I understand, but isn't,
0: like, and I'm talking to myself, it's very dangerous to get our self-worth from these people, right? It
1: like, is. If, yeah. If
0: you knew Martha that I spent most of my time going on Twitter, positively or negatively, just talking to people, wouldn't you just be kind of like, what well, kind of weird?
1: No, nope, I would, but I do that, so I'd be like, that's weird in the same way that I'm weird. I go, do I when I get up in the morning, I look at Twitter. New addiction. Um. Sometimes, yeah. And, and I,
0: I, it's not. This isn't the confrontation podcast. I'm just. <laughs> I was very interested in what you were saying about food. And then that we sometimes fill it in with other activities. And I offered that Instagram, I have a hard thing. I look at my DMs on Instagram. Right. And I'm almost numb to them, but like, they're always interesting. I don't. (laughs) It's always worth, like, and my my brain lights up in some way. Then I was like, I'm missing the world.
1: But it, it is probably more addictive for performers because it's a way for us to get feedback without even leaving the house. Isn't
0: that... Yeah, I know.
1: Which is a dream come true in some ways. It, but
0: isn't it also the voice going like, everybody has pizza sometimes. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah some... it is. How did, and also,
1: I felt like um, one of the things I always felt bad about with baskets, on the one hand, it changed my life in a way that was equivalent to winning the lottery. Not that I got millions of dollars but that my entire life got better because of it yeah like when my mom was dying which was while we were shooting season two she was dying and i could afford because of that job i had time off to just be by her side and then i could afford to pay a pet sitter to take care of my pets so i could stay at the hospital around the clock mm. all that stuff wouldn't happen without baskets was
0: the pet sitter also a dog
1: it was actually Brody, and I had sworn I wouldn't tell you that it was your dog, Brody, taking care of my dog <laughs> and my
0: kids. But he had a tie on.
1: <laughs> so that's came, how the
0: other dogs knew.
1: He wore a hat, <laughs> some fake glasses, and a tie, and I thought it was a person, and it was a dog.
0: <laughs> but I mean...
1: And he char- the Raid City Charge gave him legitimacy. Yeah, he that's charged true. charged a lot. A
0: lot of cash.
1: So I was like, he w- he has to be legit. Somebody's
0: using this dog. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But so you got- all that, but I the thing that bothered me about it was I did I do feel very hooked into um, strangers wanting to see my work because it's on a TV show and worrying like how much of my self esteem that is not um, top of the heap, but it's better than it was when I wasn't doing anything. Like how much of that is based on this TV show that. Even if it hadn't ended this year, is going to end at some point. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to have inner self worth based on pe- being on a TV show because that's you may as well base it on like a cloud of smoke. Yeah. But it's this very hard not to special. Yeah, but yeah. How, it's hard. There was a billboard for
0: crashing that I was proud of, or I caught myself. I would drive past a lot, and I'd go, <laughs> "There I right. am." And then it came down one day, and the billboard that went up instead said four free cell phones (laughs) (laughs) and that's what we're talking about
1: yeah don't
0: believe in four free cell phones it's fun to be four free cell phones but there's always four new free cell phones it's going to take place
1: it makes me want to quit shibas and move somewhere and just go back to school and get a a real actual working type job and not base any of my self-esteem on whether or not people are telling me I'm good. Gu- but that brings good. me
0: into Zach Galifianac. And I know he's not here, but...
1: What if he was, though? What if I pulled him out of my purse right now?
0: <laughs> hey, Martha. <laughs> that wasn't bad. That sounded like him it to It did sound like him. Hey, Martha.
1: It. Yeah. Hey.
0: <laughs> hey, Martha. He kind of says it like he's put, he's, he's put out that he even has to say your name. Yes. Martha. Uh, anyway, he... Uh like I said, he's he's a movie famous person. Right. And yet he uh, did this show, this great show. I didn't think – obviously, people love TV as much as movies, but it's a, it's a different life. It's more right. work. Yeah. So I posit, and knowing him as much as I do, I feel like he's found a way to not care about four free cell phones, about being on billboards. And he, he likes doing the work that he does – if people want to put him on billboards or like him in a superficial way, that doesn't seem to be his interest. I'm basing this on some conversations we've had. What I'm saying is the key to happiness, to me, one of the keys seems to be to like what you're doing while you're doing it and not worry too much about whether or not you're going to be on a billboard, right. whether or not people are going to tweet about it. I mean, Zach's not even on the Tweetsters, is he? I don't think
1: um, so. He has an account, but he's never on there. Right. Um, well, Did Zach you, yeah. is. Um, I don't, I'm often wonder about his inner life because what he shows outwardly is, and he's been like this since I met him at open mics 20 years ago. So even when he wasn't famous, he, and was trying to make a living as a comedian and an actor, even then, like maybe it's easy to come across as none of this matters once you're at the top. Right. But he always came across that way even before when he was just going to open mics. Um, but I don't know really inside what he feels because I do think that it matters to him whether people like his work.
0: It's like why I keep bringing home the bacon sort of thing.
1: Um, I, th- I don't know. That's the thing is I really don't know what Zach's inner life is other than this. I do believe that I know 100% a sweet fucking hearted person, a really loving, sweet person who is who deals with pain by being incredibly funny. Mm. Um but as far as like what work means to him or how much he cares about success, I honestly don't know. I know that when we the first day we did the pilot, I'd never acted before, and I drove on to base camp thinking I'm probably going to be fired. But at least I know Zach won't be mean about it if he has to fire me. You are fun, and I'll try my hardest. At
0: least it'll be a pleasant firing. At
1: least he won't go. He won't be mean about it, and I'll understand if he did has you to fire it? me.
0: I understand that. That's, that's I <laughs> and I understand that the, you took a chance on me, and I appreciate that. I this w- is you parking by the yeah, trailers. Yeah, and I I Thank was you. thinking we, I about we can still be friends.
1: I was thinking about my um, friends in recovery and knowing, like, worst case scenario, I'll go back and say, "I tried it. I did my best. My best was terrible. I'm still sober." And the people that know me and love me in that group and in my family and my private life, they're not going to love me less just because I'm I failed at something that was worth trying. Mm-hmm. And.
0: So you're really pepping yourself up for that first scene. I was scene.
1: fucking terrified. <laughs> and when we, I got in hair and makeup and costumes, they drove me to the first shot, which was the side of the road where his scooter had crashed. Mm-hmm. I got out of the car that took me to set. Zach walked up to me, hugged me, said, don't worry about any of this. None of this is important. We're just trying to have fun. That's all it is. Don't worry about anything. You're going to be great. And that was his attitude about that show throughout That's with I mean. everybody. He's just, having,
0: he's just trying yeah. to have
1: fun. Yeah. And he's trying to make sure the other people on the set, the other actors and the crew and the producers and everyone is also yeah. having a nice time. We
0: On Crashing, we shot on film and I, I, I had a little pep talk that I would give all the guest actors, which I was like don't worry they would get really worried that we were wasting money with right. every with every second of film you're rolling right it's different it's with expensive. digital you can be like this is yeah. fun for the bloopers but people would get tense and sometimes would fuck around during a take just to sh- just to help them relax just to right be like, what do you what do you care and just like leave the shot and then come back and just be like yeah. you- nobody cares right nothing is funny about being nervous about losing film
1: right Get it to us yeah. being
0: canceled. The film costs alone.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that's, that's the heart,
1: But that's the heartbreak of. Um, that's the other side of like any. To me, any show business job, like any acting in TV or movies, is the best job you could ever hope to get. The actors are always treated like precious cargo by everybody else on the set. Mm. And it's fun, and it's creative, and it's play. Um, it the other side of it, though, is like it breaks your fucking heart when it goes away, and right. you have to figure out. And all those some way people that were it. treating
0: you as precious cargo swing to the next show. They're yeah. onto bones,
1: and so they're back on bones. No, there
0: really is something about it. It's like, oh, great, uh, roll out the red carpet because Martha's g- walking to set.
1: Which but that's also- never happened. I've been chased by our security who tried to keep me from driving onto base camp because they were like, who's this lady? That's my favorite part Hilarious. <laughs> about how few people saw baskets is that even the security guards on our base camp and set would be like not. Rec- I'm sure they recognize Zach and probably Louie because he was famous as a stand up. Yeah. But um it was funny that yeah, no one was rolling out the red carpet except everyone treated me lovely. Yeah. I just mean I wasn't I there was never any you're a hot your Johnny hot shit treatment. Yeah. But every set, everyone's like if there's so, if it's hot, a PA's standing over you holding an umbrella, you could easily hold yourself. Yeah. And if you say I, I make can them hold, hold two that two umbrellas <laughs> But, like, it's, but it's but it to if you say if you feel weird I can hold that you don't have to stand there holding it they'll go it's my job like right. that so in that sense you everyone
0: as they get an irregular sunburn from being half under and an umbrella.
1: skin cancer and they die of melanoma on set because you, go, you couldn't hold your, your own job. fucking umbrella yeah job. it was your job to it die for job. me <laughs> it's hot
0: outside. <laughs> Tell, take me. I'm still interested in addiction because obviously it's speaking to me. So we're eating, we're cooking Rice-a-roni.
1: a whole package
0: of sausages, and then we're eating rice around. these Rice-a-roni. and
1: bacon, not sausage. Just oh, FYI, there's a you're either a bacon person or a sausage person.
0: Back in my day, I was always I was a sausage person. I, I liked like eating little cigars. <laughs> I like eating something that looked like you could smoke it. But bacon, hot looks dogs,
1: like... hot dogs are like little cigars.
0: Yeah, hot dogs are like big sausages. Yeah. I'm into that. The Beyond, I don't eat meat anymore, but Beyond makes a great sausage.
1: Just um, a little plug. Maybe I'll try that. I got to stop. I can't. Um, I got to find a meat substitute because I just use dairy because I don't want to eat animals. But dairy is super high fat. And um, Oh, I I'm thought you were sh- going
0: to say it's also a murder industry, which it is.
1: Is it? god even organic milk is a murder industry what are we
0: what are we doing with all these babies you got to keep the cows uh this is such a bummer i don't want to bum you out enjoy your dairy go your dairy it's so fun i had a pizza the other night who cares we're all fucking full of shit my favorite joke right now is how i sometimes eat fish and that is just like the ultimate i'm full of shit like we have to admit that we're full of shit that's the only place to start from I'm all for Mm. animal rights, and sometimes I eat fish. That makes no sense. The joke is I care about animals, not the wet ones. Like, what is going on here? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. So, yes, dairy involves some killing of animals. But, like, do if you're not eating meat, Mm. you're still – the demand is less. I'm
1: going to have to give it up.
0: But then I always go, like, they're breeding these guys anyway. Somebody had that joke where it's like they're not, like, just going out and grabbing cows that were (laughs) – Living their lives
1: that are part of a loving community of cows.
0: They're they're forecasting the demand, and then they're breeding that many. So when we don't eat meat, they're breeding fewer. Yeah, this is a. So they're sort of being murdered (laughs) by not being born.
1: There's no happy way to be a human (laughs) right now. That is the
0: only, but the only thing we can do is is like consent to the horror and just be like, no matter what. Life feeds on death, and that's horrible. And as and, I always say, tomatoes would rather live.
1: Tomatoes yeah.
0: are kind of on the vine doing their red, shiny, tasty thing, and I'm like,
1: "We'll right. oh, eat you
2: because you don't scream.
1: Yeah, there, there is. Uh, on heavy. the one hand, there's no ethical, ethical consumption under capitalism. On the other hand, nature is no picnic either. No, I know. There's a lot of murder in nature.
0: Tons. So
1: um, What are we going
0: to do? Yeah. So you were a bacon.
1: I was a bacon and person. I was, was a food person. After
0: food, did you get into booze?
1: Um, alcohol and pot and cigarettes. And I still feel like the the unbridled joy of being a teenager high as a kite. <laughs> stoned. So stoned. Um, I think the first time I got really, really high was going to see Purple Rain, the movie with my friends at a discount movie theater, where who knows what was happening at that theater. They don't really have these places a lot anymore. It was like a dollar a That's ticket. what I was going to say, the dollar theater. And Purple Rain was playing. We got high in the car right outside the theater, and I was so stoned, the movie had already started, or the credits, or not, the okay, trailers. Credit. okay. So the theater is dark. I was so stoned. I couldn't see really what was happening. So I would look at a row, think it was empty. It's four of us. I'd look at a row, think it was empty, lean in to see for sure and be leaning right up into somebody's face. Cause people <laughs> were sitting there and just that happening like three times in a row. Cause I was so high. And then laughing, you kept thinking no one was there. Yeah, and you kept checking, and some guy. Yeah, kept getting peeper to peeper with you, and just those and didn't the, move. Yeah, that or maybe they did, and I, I, it didn't register because I was so high. But God, I loved marijuana. Um, but I'm my um my downward spiral really started with alcohol, which I didn't start drinking all the time. Until I started doing stand up, which was right before I turned 30. Mm. So late, late Oh, late bloomer. bloomer. Or, at, or maybe hasn't yet bloomered, but definitely <laughs> didn't, you know, started stand up late. Started open mics on a regular basis. Oh, I made late
0: bloomer for alcohol.
1: Oh no! Yeah, like I thought alcohol. you. I thought you meant most people who want to be comedians go to open mics in their at the early twenties. Some people in their late teens, but um, eh. I didn't. But anyway, yeah. No, I was late. <laughs> That's late,
0: my opinion about that.
1: Late to the alcoholism yeah. game, and then really because loved of it. the
0: nerves, or because they kept offering it to you.
1: Well, as it turns out, oh that oh like the, the reason culture. I was late to it. Um, isn't what you're asking. Why did it... Uh, yeah, no, totally. I signed up for an open mic and went to the liquor store and got a 40 ounce. And by the time I went on stage, I wasn't scared anymore. And it went well. And that was the open mic where I met Zach and Tig and a bunch of funny people back in the late 90s. Mm. So it was like a bunch of comics watching each other, encouraging each other to write a lot as opposed to comedy club open mics where the audience is people who they just want someone to know what they're doing they don't want you to act scared and nervous and if you do your actual material they're not even going to be able to listen to if you're making them uncomfortable with your nervousness but comedians are more generous about that kind of stuff as an audience yeah hmm this is how I got the lead on bones as the lead actor's Uh-oh. mic went off. And I just kept talking.
0: Okay, so don't worry about pointing it at me. This'll catch me and that'll catch you. Okay. And you were saying what were we talking about? We were talking about addiction? A oh, booze.
1: Yeah, just getting Weed. drunk. Weed. Weed and booze and just getting drunk. Oh,
0: and then the open mics.
1: Before stand up. But so
0: you drank all that a uh, forty ounce of beer. Yeah. And still had a delightful. Even you know, so, you were like functioning, meaning yeah. you remember this night.
1: Yeah, you were vaguely.
0: <laughs> you were pleasant.
1: It was fun. I was also like a happy drunk until the very end of my drinking, so it made me enjoy it and get to know other comics and everybody. Not everyone, but the people I hung out with would go and get beers after open mics and stuff.
0: So it had that social.
1: Yeah. And I didn't, I never kept alcohol at home and I didn't drink at home because it made me want to be around people and mm. it wasn't enjoyable to just feel that and be home alone, you know? Yeah. So I was the opposite. Just, if I had
0: like a couple drinks mm-hmm. out, I'd be like, let's go home and really feel this. Yeah. Like I'm tired of people talking to me and being like, where are you from? I'm like, shut up. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I, yeah. what you're saying is what I was always chasing, but it never happened. It didn't help me with fear. I I always wanted to be clean on stage. I still Mm -hmm. do. And I wanted to, if I was going to talk to people, I'd be worried that I might be embarrassed or weird or angry or ugly. If I was drinking with somebody,
1: that was how I felt at the end. But initially I could still kind of control it to the extent. Also, if you only drink beer, it's much easier to gauge how close you are to going too far and yeah. i hated throwing up so that's why I, like i drank as a teenager sometimes and would always drink till i threw up because mm. i couldn't regulate it and i am an alcoholic mm-hmm. so having a little made me want to keep going till i was sick so then for years in my early 20s, I would only smoke pot because it doesn't make you sick. Right. But it did make me paranoid. I certainly never would have gotten high and gone on stage. I've right. never done that. It sounds terrible. I've
0: only done it by accident. And it's, it's it as bad terrifying. as I, I took a, a microdose, just a 2.5 milligram weed mint. Mm-hmm. And then Val went, don't you have a show tonight? And I was like, Oh no, it's so oh. small, but it was enough that, yeah. Like, I came home. Val stayed home with the baby, and I came home and I was like, "That was a whole movie, like yeah. the whole experience of getting to the club, going right. on stage, talking to people backstage." There was some guy who was trying to book me on some show that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know how to negotiate the situation. Right. He's like, "Yeah, it's this show," and he's showing me pictures, and I was like, "I, I, I gotta, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Like, right. how do I?" do this. Like I know sober Pete would know what to say, but stone Pete is just staring yeah. at him, not knowing what to do.
1: That's, so that's one of helpful. the things I loved about pot was that I it, loved the, all of a sudden you feel you're in exactly the same place. You've always,
0: but it feels lived. like an adventure.
1: You feel like you're in, I remember being
2: Yeah.
1: I remember walking. I had friends. I live, I grew up in a house that was on a hill and then by high school, had a couple friends who lived on that hill. Not a lot of people did. And there were no businesses or anything. It was kind of isolated. But I remember getting high and walking to my friend's house on that hill. Down this street I had been down since I was in kindergarten. And thinking, this, I've never seen this before. Mm. This is like a whole different world. I loved that part of pot. I know what
0: you mean. When I came home from that nightmare night. Mm-hmm. it was val actually who's who's she's stopped smoking mm-hmm. um for a couple of years now and she was like oh that is what i miss about pot too is yeah that like you just did i went to the comedy store and did a set something i do all the time right and it might as well have been diffusing a bomb yeah <laughs> like it had the intensity right. it had the highs and the lows yeah and it's a secret I know it's not right. like we're just doing a commercial for pot right now, but there's something fun about being like, no one? When I get yeah. stoned, I like to tell no one. What I should have <laughs> said to that guy was, I'm stoned, I can't handle this right now. Right. But instead, I was like, no one can know. No
1: <laughs> one can know. That's how, well, when I was in my 20s smoking pot all the time, it was not legal. So it was thrilling, but also scary to go anyplace. I, we would go to Disneyland a couple times. I went high and how fun, but also I was scared. Now I know probably some of the people that worked there were high, and certainly all of them would have been much happier to deal with high people than angry, sober, or drunk people.
2: Yeah, no, you know? that's true.
1: A lot of people get mad at Disneyland. That's the thing you don't think about when you're not there. What
0: do you mean mad? at? Mad Everyone's when
1: stressed out. Oh, yeah. yeah, the dads are like, God damn
0: yeah. it, this is our vacation.
1: Yeah. Yes, people get
0: Mad. Well, that's Sarah Silverman's whole thing. And I, since I've stopped drinking, and I rarely but occasionally do pot, mm-hmm. do pot, um, she and I have bonded over the idea that talking to drunk people is really annoying. Yeah. And, and yeah. we, when I was drunk, I never knew. But it sucks. Right. It
1: sucks. Yeah, it's. I don't have any patience for it. I a, Sometimes I have a lot of compassion for drunk people. Um, but I don't want to hang out with a drunk person, even if they're fun drunk. It's you feel like separated from the real person that they're underwater. I
0: was at an airport recently with another comedian and there was a big delay. And then that comedian went and got really drunk Mm because that's what I Part of me was like, oh, I sort of miss that. I don't. But there was this almost a, a quiet, weird longing. For when a flight is delayed six hours, yeah. people who drink go, okay, now we go get drunk. Yeah, it's like you just sort of fast forward through the whole thing. Right now, I'm much happier staying present and enjoying the delay, which I did. I had a great delay. I really right. did. So this person comes back. We had been talking about it doesn't matter, but let's say we had been talking about our favorite sandwiches, mm-hmm. and I talked about how peanut butter is my favorite sandwich. This is not true. And then they went and got drunk, and then I saw them on the plane. And then even though we had talked about peanut butter sandwiches for 45 minutes, they go, "Hey, what's your favorite kind of sandwich?" And he, with, not as a joke. Mm-hmm. And I went, "Dad." Like, you just like it broke my heart that I was like,
1: um, I thought we right I thought you heard me,
0: and that is what drunkenness is to me. is like, yeah. it's just a racer. It's this like d- yeah d- connector, yeah. disconnector.
1: But when I when it was doing what I wanted it to do, it was what made me feel connected to people. Right, um, and then it stopped the working.
0: Twelve step is it's it's good until it's not. Yeah, isn't that well, one of the things?
1: And that's the one of the heartbreak to me. One of the heartbreaking things about alcoholism and addiction is um, for people to really want to do the th- work that you kind of need to do to stay sober. Um, You have to have a desperation That is usually uh, The catalyst is that The alcohol isn't making you happy anymore But You can People uh, The reason some people can have uh, Go through much harsher consequences Of their drinking than I did And not want to get sober anyway Is because they haven't It hasn't stopped working for them So it stopped working for me before I got a DUI um, But for some people... I know people with multiple DUIs who've lost jobs, houses, families, everything. And the alcohol still makes them feel like, hey, everything's fine. And they can't stop. Mm. Um, I don't know why but Why? Is, what were you talking about? We're talking
0: about it's good until it's not. Yeah. And I'm totally with you. There, there was a... The thing... One of the things that made me think I needed to stop drinking was that I, I was dreaming about it. Right. <laughs> And Craig Ferguson did this podcast, and I I think about this all the time. It was conflicting for me. He was like, I remember once having a glass of vodka or something at a restaurant, and I took the first sip. It was like, and everything just felt perfect right with the world everything made sense everything was beautiful right but that was his story of why he had to quit was he was like nothing should make you feel that way like nothing outside of you should make you feel that way it was really it was interesting
1: that is yeah He's like you I shouldn't will...
0: feel that way about alcohol that's- um.
1: That, that is probably a sign that you're an alcoholic If alcohol makes you feel like everything in the world is okay Because for people who aren't alcoholics I think it just makes them feel like I'm not as stressed out as I was from my day at work right. Or whatever But for That's alcoholics That's what my dream was
0: The dream of a chilled goblet of vodka I still remember it vividly mm-hmm. It had become a symbol of everything is fine Yeah And I remember my parents Obviously I... I, I sometimes get stressed around my parents it's a good memory val and i would go in the kitchen here at the house and we just do a shot of vodka and would be mm-hmm. laughing like kids right just because it was so stressful but i think that shot was very different for val than it was for me right <laughs> like for me i was like it really was that i always get sad when people are like
1: daddy yeah
0: needs his medicine but i was like daddy did need his medicine yeah and i think that's
1: yeah and it's hard not to great I didn't feel, just by quitting drinking, I didn't feel like, okay, now all the problems my drinking was causing, now they're all solved and I'm better off and this was a good decision. I felt like I can't fucking talk to even people I've known for years. I can't be comfortable. I can't talk to people. Going to 12-step recovery is, in some ways the la- the worst thing for a newly sober person cuz it's a bunch of strangers you're supposed to let your guard down with
0: right and, and that's the awful. situation where you would have a drink <laughs> yeah you'd be like this would be a great meeting if we could just all right. loosen up a little bit yeah
1: but the magic of 12 step programs is everyone who isn't new understands how you're feeling and if you just honestly say which i did sometimes I fucking hate this. I can't keep drinking, but I'm not going to make it as a sober person because I hate all of this. I hate the way I feel all the time. And people would say, I felt that way too. And these are the things that I did. And over time, I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, That's the magic of it. But it's certainly counterintuitive to go meet a bunch of strangers when you're not drinking but the
0: honesty is essential somebody needs to be able to say this sucked for me too
1: and for people who recognize that your life depends on not drinking you know it's very compassionate and like you see the best in people that there are people i know in my sober um recovery people uh group community i know some of them voted for trump i know some of them are anti-immigrant i don't Talk about it with them. They haven't specifically said that, and I would certainly speak up if they did. Even so, with all knowing that and feeling awful about it, they know my life depends on me being sober. I know theirs depends on being sober, and so we have this unspoken agreement. We're not going to talk about the things that would make us hate each other. We're going to focus on how can I hold on to this life raft. Mm. Which is, like, that's the best of humanity, is saying, I don't want you to die. I don't care that I think your politics are evil, even. I mean, not that I don't care. I understand. But anyway, I can't stop talking, Pete. Really, you should not have had your microphone (laughs) break, because... I think
0: this is great. I've been on every episode of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Every episode.
1: Okay. Same
0: guy. Okay. (laughs)
1: You are a breath of
0: fresh air, but also you're Mm -hmm. talking. We were talking about this, so I just told you I I was at this um, lake house. We've got Airbnb. The family
1: sounds delightful. By the way, where was was it? What state? In California. Oh, really? Yeah. What Shaver Lake? Lake. Where is that?
0: Right by uh, Bick Lake. I don't know. It's a joke. (laughs) It's a bad joke, but I love jokes, even bad jokes. I'm like, thanks for making a joke. You know what I mean? (laughs) People are always like, here's my least favorite thing. When people do that or where I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm out here. Yeah. with My rock pick looking for gold. And you're just sitting on a boring ass mountain going, I guess is all there is. And you're going to judge me. I yeah. did that on a, on a talk show recently. Someone went. And I like if you watch the footage, you see serious yeah. Pete. Like something shows up on my face where I'm like, I think I say don't do that.
1: Yeah, don't also. Don't do I don't want. I want to hear the leg story. But on that note, the worst thing is when someone who's not a comic insists that oh, you they tell a comic. them. Right, and they <laughs> Just, mostly no comics comic do don't that. do that because they know, yeah, right? The and,
2: nakedness, yeah, the joke,
1: yes, they're they're, they're uh, heroes, right? But the worst is when someone who's not a comic insists that you tell a bit. Yeah. Or a joke. And you're like, no, I don't want it. It's not going to be good. No, tell it. And then they have that response. You're like.
0: Yeah, you did this.
1: You you son of a bitch.
0: That's one of my favorite. Brian Regan, his records on the wall. He had this moment where someone yelled out peanut butter and jelly. And he has this great joke about peanut butter and jelly in the same jar. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's actually Mitch Hedberg. Somebody asked, yelled out a joke to Mitch Hedberg. Mm-hmm. And he told it. It wasn't this joke, but just for the fun of doing a Mitch Hedberg joke, he was like, I like rice when I'm in the mood for a thousand of something. (laughs) And uh, see, he could do it. He could just say a joke, but no one laughed. And then he went, you asked for it. Laugh, motherfucker. And I was like, he's not really that guy. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't aggressive. It was so funny. And I've used that attitude when people have asked for jokes. It's like. You wanted this. You made me do this. They
1: make you make yourself vulnerable and then they reject you for it. What they don't
0: realize is they're the rhythm section or they're the brass or they're the strings. They're they're part of the song. So you can't have me start playing the song and you're holding a bass and you're not going to play your part. The laughter is the bass. Right. Do it.
1: Yeah, I'll even take a fake
0: one Don't let there be a lull
1: Yeah, I would love a fake laugh over silence Of course, that's what (laughs) fake laughs are for Except one time Did you see um, the Martin Scorsese version of Cape Fear?
0: The one with De Niro? Yeah I didn't know there was another version
1: There's an older one with, I think, Gregory Peck But the De Niro one Yeah You know when they're watching Problem Child in the theater
0: And he's smoking
1: And he's laughing really loud at nothing Yeah and it's obnoxious. Yeah. There was a guy at a show in Asheville, North Carolina who did that. And that fake laughter was not enjoyable. He did
0: it during your set?
1: Yeah. During everyone's set. He just would start that fake, loud,
0: oh, I've been before. L-
1: laughter during setups yeah. and over punchlines. It was miserable. Laugh heckling. Yeah.
0: Have that man escorted out.
1: Yeah. We should have. But I... Yeah, I don't want to talk. I want to hear your lake story. I'll get mad and I'll start a whole long story about fucking assholes. (laughs) If I talk, if I talk about that guy and and why I didn't ask to have him removed, it's a long dumb story. But you're right; they should be removed. If that ever happens again, I'm just gonna say, "Hey, can you get out?"
0: Yeah, you're ruining it for everyone. Yeah, just like De Niro was ruining that great movie that I'm in as John Ritter. That's me before I drowned and became this.
1: And well, (laughs) I'm bloated. You're not bloated, John Ritter. But I would. They say on Twitter. But I would. Those fuckers. I'm just kidding. You know they're um, not that
0: clever. They just go. You're fat. (laughs) I don't know what they say. I
1: don't look. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous and thrilling place sometimes. But I will say. And speaking of problem child and weed. I love that movie because I saw it high.
0: Yeah, I understand. And it was very fun. See, you're everything I'm not. Weed, if if I watch a movie on weed, stone, mm-hmm. nothing. I'll remember nothing. One, here's, what, here's my relationship with addiction. One out of 50 times it's what I think it'll be, including weed. Right. And I said this to Val recently. It's why I'm trying to not smoke.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: successfully, it's, it doesn't grab me like the other stuff does. But... Every once in a while, I'll do it and I'll be like, this is nothing. I have a memory in my yeah. mind of getting stoned and feeling like the best feeling I've ever felt in my life. And every other time I smoke pot, I'm just like, all this is, is I just feel backwards. Right. I feel like I'm working backwards or something. Yeah. And sometimes that can be fun too, but it's not the euphoria that I'm looking for. Right. Same with, with booze, one out of 50 times, I would be like, I am invincible. I had to, and I have to learn this lesson over and over and over and over again. Nothing is a guaranteed experience. Right. It's not not coffee, not uh, nicotine, not alcohol, not pizza. Nothing is a guarantee. You are a Rubik's Cube of a million different formations, and you're inviting these chemicals to interact with a different you every time you're doing it. Right. And And the chances that they'll line up perfectly is about one in 50. That's, and that's my and the
1: heartbreak of addiction and alcoholism is your mind will tell you, but this is going to be the time. And yeah. it'll tell you for me, it'll tell that's me right. that every day until I'm dead from alcohol poisoning. That's right.
0: This is the time. You know, yeah. For me, I, I think we have, I don't know if we have different approaches, but for me, I'm just going like identify the feeling and then try. My whole life is trying to trip out. And I'm happy to say that it works a lot of the time. I'm enough. I'm enough. This is enough. Being is enough, and and tripping out on that for no reason—not because I'm eating a pizza or because I'm having this or this or this—anything that makes me think it's out there and not in here is is my enemy.
1: I um, I'm probably more in the camp of like um, the busier I am, the more I'm the happier I am. Yeah. Um, but luckily for me, I need to go to different. 12-step programs, and I love, also love them, and I go to therapy, that stuff takes up time and it also has a magic, um, intangible effect on you Mm -hmm. um, that does make you feel less like you need stuff from outside. Well,
0: that goes to Shaver Lake, right? Okay, let's hear Shaver Lake. It's not even a story, it's just, it was Val's parents, Val's brother and sister-in-law, their two kids as already said, me, Val, and a baby. That's not that many people. Right. But it was enough that I never looked at Instagram. I never, even for a second, wanted a beer or weed or pizza right. or anything. Everybody was being, well, you know, with it, everybody was doing different things. Let's right. just say that Val and I had a very easy time being healthy and feeling very happy on very little sleep. And it was Like I, my favorite Christmas movie Is The Family Stone Have you seen that movie?
1: Yeah I love that movie I love
0: that movie too And I'm always looking for that Yeah family I finally had that And we were talking about They did this experiment With rats and heroin And they were giving rats The choice to do heroin And 100% of the rats Basically did heroin And then they made a, They're
1: smart You gotta hand it to them
0: That's right They know where <laughs> the good water is But then they made A Rat Paradise And I forget the percentage So I don't want to make it up but a significantly large number of the rats didn't do heroin. If there was the option to have sex and play and use toys and, and eat and recreate and all these different things, only a small percentage. So they were like, there is a, let's put it this way. Being social, being a part of a pack mm-hmm. has obviously it's, it just seems like common sense, right. a huge impact. And that's what I see in 12 step. When yeah. you talk about these things, I'm like, wow, you're interacting with people that you would never interact with. It's what I love about comedy. Yeah. I go out and do comedy uh, a couple times a week and it feeds me not just the set, but it's the green room. I'll stay, I'll come early and I'll stay a little... People sometimes give me shit because I ask, not shit, but I ask to go up early Mm -hmm. and then I sometimes stay. Right. But I want to get the set over with. I I don't want to be thinking about my set. Right. And then I want to ride the good feeling of having performed and hang out in the green room and talk to other people that love comedy. And that helps me stay sober. And not just sober, it helps me stay healthy and happy.
1: Right. Um, Yeah, there is definitely that feeling of being part of a community in 12-step programs. And that's why I had the... If it had been... Before I was sober and someone had offered me a part on a sitcom, even if it was Zach, who's a sweet person, if I wasn't sober, I would have said I can't do it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I did initially say I can't do it. And he said, you don't have to act. Just You just say the lines like you talk would say something in real life, which he is acting. Um, well I don't know. I just mean not acting just take the line and then say it like you're not saying say a it, line. Yeah. Say it like a
0: normal person.
1: But he made it seem like I get it. it's a piece of cake, but it wouldn't have mattered if I wasn't sober and didn't have that community that I could tell myself this thing I'm probably going to fail at, but if I don't fail, it will change my life for the better. Yeah. So I have to try, but I know I have the safety net of they don't my sober Community. They don't give a shit if I'm on. They're happy for you me. You didn't have
0: enough, or you didn't have a lot of ego, just going like, "Martha's train is coming in. And everyone's going to see me shine."
1: No, I felt like this is going to be me just falling down a flight of stairs in front of a bunch of people.
2: Why?
1: Because <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how. To, I didn't know how to act. I still don't feel like I know how to act. I feel really lucky that they wrote a part with an emotional range equivalent to my own very limited emotional range. So I didn't have, like, this season, well, I won't- okay, something sad happens with my character this season, and the writers didn't write it in that I had to cry because they know I, can- I can't cry on camera. I can barely cry in real life. Like, my when my mom died, the only people I really cried in front of were my immediate family, and my therapist, I didn't even when I would talk about it in 12 set meetings, I usually wouldn't cry. Mm. So how am I going to fucking make myself cry for a camera?
0: If you did, you'd be like a little disturbed, like you can do it and you're great at it and you're like, what's wrong with me?
1: <laughs> I don't I. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know, but I didn't I definitely didn't feel like my train is coming in. I felt like something terrible is going to happen because I don't. Deserve this opportunity and I'm not going to be able to do what they want me to do but I have to try and I know when when I fail my community of sober friends will say hey, I mean there's people in there who've like in sobriety gambled their retirement away and lost their house and had to tell their spouse and then everyone found out no one said don't come back they said That wasn't a great thing that you did. It's not like you just tell people you can do anything you want and and it's fine. But it's someone. But you're about
0: one thing there. You're about staying sober.
1: And it's like this. Someone recently was saying, if even if you commit a crime and you have to go to jail, where your sober friends are not going to tell you stealing is okay. They're going to tell you you shouldn't do that. And you have to face up to what you did, but we will be with you while you face up to what you did.
0: And don't drink the toilet hooch.
1: Don't drink the toilet hooch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't, I, even as I Do made that people, joke, wait, I can't no, watch I'm not shows about, about s- prison. I can't, jokes about I hate prison.
2: I don't know what, I, hate I, toilets. I mean, I, I don't like
1: I hate toilets. You hate
2: toilet <laughs> jokes.
1: No, I hate the, well, I'm, I'm assuming toilet hooch is made from Hoochie. the water in the tank, not in the bowl, right?
0: I, don't, I think they're tankless.
1: <sighs>
0: I think it's just hooch <sighs> they make in the toilet. I don't think it's made with the water. And I'm assuming they clean the toilet first. If you're making hooch, you have alcohol. If you have alcohol, you can clean the toilet. If you can clean oh. the toilet, you can use it as a bowl.
1: I don't even like... I think
0: I'm about to... I'm this close to trying toilet hooch. <laughs> <laughs> I just convinced <laughs> myself it's okay.
1: I'm scared of even, like, the extremely advanced porta potties they have on locations. Yeah. Which are, they flush, and they have like running water. I into
0: a pile.
1: It's just weird no. and... Mm.
0: I went to Uganda... And uh, the toilets were a hole in the ground Ugh. into just but that's decades a- of, Ugh. and I, everybody Ugh. was like, it's, it's pretty bad. And I remember, I think I was 20, 20 years old. I was like, it's not that bad. Like, I felt like my father father's son. Yeah. "I was like, get over it. And I went in and I almost vom- like, yeah, people use that as an expression. I mean, like, I started to yeah. it was really, really bad.
1: well, when my dad was growing up, they had an outhouse, like that's how it used to be here before right
0: and I am like hold how did the people... string to find it in the night.
1: God, how did people live like that? Take... I want, it makes me want to die
0: Well, that's when we needed hooch <laughs> yeah we're this country is built on the back of people that were getting through their horrible lives with some hooch, probably.
1: Certainly my Irish ancestors were yes. and still are even with indoor plumbing they're right. getting through life with hooch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: take me through you got sober. You had a DUI?
1: No, I didn't. I never had a DUI. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I thought you got a DUI.
1: No, I I maybe I was, what I You were
0: saying was it's saying not like was, I got a DUI. What
1: I was Yeah, I was saying some people don't quit drinking after 5 DUIs. What made you quit? Um, I was miserable, and it just, I, it was right before Christmas. I actually, I actually saw Zach the night, my last what night the? of drinking. He he was hosting or guesting on Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel's talk show used to have a green room that was just a free-for-all booze remember. fest.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, free booze, that's all I cared about. Oh, Zach's here. Hi, Zach. That's fun. I drink. I can't get that good feeling. We leave and go to a a comedian's Christmas party 25 miles away. Both of us drunk. Taking turns driving one way, but we're both drunk. You and Zach? Me and this other comic I was friends with. um,
0: 25 miles in L.A. too. Yeah. That's an hour.
1: Yeah, and drunk, get to that party, drink more, don't feel good, go back up to L.A. to another party, which Zach is also at, and I'm drinking even more, and I'm walking around that party going all these people think they're better than me. Fuck these people. What are you looking at? That's the stuff in my head, which that isn't how I was when I started drinking. I was like, Hey, I love everybody. Everything's Mm -hmm. great. And by the end, I was just always like, I'm, everyone thinks I'm garbage. What are you looking at? Fuck you. That was how I felt. And then the next morning was like, I'm going to, or afternoon. I'm sure I got up in the afternoon was like, I need to take some time off of drinking because I'm not having fun. And then thinking, but I have a show tonight, so I can't start not drinking tonight. I have a Christmas party tomorrow. I can't not drink at that. Mm. And then going through each day realizing it would be mid-January before I could take one night off. And then feeling defeated. And then it just popped into my head, you don't have to ever drink again if you don't want to. And if you do, your choices are drink every night or don't drink at all. I've been trying so hard to control it and was getting less and less control. So for whatever reason, that day it occurred to me, my only hope is if I never drink again. Um, That's why I quit. But right. then i but that's
0: a really good snapshot of addiction where you're like, well, I can't. Right. And then something in you is like. What do you mean? It's the same with a breakup. Like, you just reminded me of breakup calendar math. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I can't break up. Her Her birthday is in two weeks. Right. And then it's Thanksgiving. And, and it's like, you yeah. can leave any time.
1: Yeah, and it's oh never, it's never uh, being broken up with or breaking up with someone. Is, there isn't actually any time where it won't be terrible. That's,
0: <laughs> and you need someone to tell you that. You need to yeah. be like, it's always gonna suck. Yeah. And staying with them through their birthday and pretending to like them. Yeah. Just, just break up,
1: Steve. Yeah. I'm talking to you, Steve. Fucking Steve.
0: What if there's some guy named Steve on the fence right now?
1: Um. I hope it's not my brother because I like my sister-in-law a lot. Uh, so.
0: No, that Steve's fine. Okay. Good. Your brother, Steve. Yeah. Is that the twin?
1: No, my uh, twin is a fe- also female, Joan. Again. I- or
0: fraterne?
1: Uh. Fratern. Fratern.
0: I don't count. That doesn't count.
1: That's all right with me if you not don't a count it. That's okay with me if we don't count it as twins. We're very different, so I'm not <laughs> invested in being not the twins. same. Twins yeah. look
2: the
0: same or you're not twins?
1: Yeah, let's talk about.
0: No DeVito twins. That's what I say.
1: Um, I want from Arnold twins. From Scratch, uh, Schwarzenegger and DeVito to the movie Twins? Is that's that what right. you're. Yeah.
0: I want my twins to look the same, and I want. No DeVito twins.
1: <laughs> we have real twins. We have uh, real twins on baskets, um, Gary and Jason Clemens, who play the DJ twins. They're, yeah, they're great. They. I, I also admire to tell the guy
0: who's Zach's body double.
1: Dill- well, he has a few. Dylan. Is that he? I mean? don't want
0: to know their names, but oh. they're very good.
1: Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> Again, I want to do basket style humor. I'm very I don't gullible. need to know their name, Martha. But Dylan, because I noticed that they put the effort in to try to very not just try but mimic how he moves, yeah, and how the different characters move. It's really great. So you got sobes after Chrissy Christmas before, right before December nineteenth with your your mom, and when are you finding out that you love each other?
1: So I got sober December nineteenth, two thousand three, and then my depression had no. Mask. You know, every night I was drinking so I wouldn't have to deal with how bad I felt. That's
0: what Captain Morgan is, by the way. It's a depressed (laughs) guy that's like, I'd feel better if I looked like a pirate. That's a modern guy.
1: He might be right. He might. That might be his best ticket. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Spice rum
0: works for some.
1: And for me, (laughs) when it was working, it was my best idea. Yeah. um, So my depression just picked up steam in early sobriety. And um, I couldn't work, and I got evicted from where I was living. And my parents were nice enough.
0: Evicted just because you weren't working and you didn't pay? I
1: didn't pay my rent, yeah.
0: When do they come? They come? They call? It
1: depends. My Texas landlord, I was three months behind in rent when they said, we're sorry, we're going to have to ask you to leave. And then L.A., it was like two days after rent was due, eviction notice. Really? Or three days. Or something like, legally, they give you a three-day notice. You have three days to get out. If you don't, you start going to court.
0: They want that turnover.
1: Um, Some landlords, and legally, they can do that. So then my parents let me move in with them, um, despite the fact that I was mad at them all the time. (laughs) Um, They let me move in because that's the thing... Why were you
0: mad at them all the time? Because
1: it wasn't a... a, um, happy, healthy family. And I was blaming all of my problems on that. When that does play a part in how well you, how well adjusted you are to life, your childhood and your family. But I didn't factor in the part where, you know, I was doing things that they had no part in that were making my life terrible Mm. and that they tried their best and that some people's parents don't um, have their best interests at heart. A lot do and just don't know how to show it.
0: That's, and that's very different.
1: Yeah. And yeah. my parents did have my best interests at heart. And mm-hmm. the fact that they let me move in with them when I was so angry and depressed is like, but their feeling was, but we're family. You don't have anywhere to go, mm. you know? Mm. And then finding a 12-step group doing that process and then making amends to my mom as part of that process. You have other, I know
0: it's anonymous, but you had other models of people that had similar things with their parents? Did you have good role models that were saying, like, hey, they did their best, and you slowly learned that lesson?
2: And
1: Yeah, but it was also part of that... Part of what's great about 12-step stuff is it sort of boils down to it doesn't matter whether you think it's a good idea. It's people saying... Um in order to not drink, I did these steps. and they're reading something, writing something, and then in the case of some of the steps, you're making you're apologizing to people and making restitution when you owe it and when you can. Um, and it's just people saying, all the people that came before you that weren't willing to do that have gone out and drank again, and some of them have died, and some of them have come back in worse shape than they were the time before. Mm. So that's why I did it. Not because I thought it would make anything better. It's just because I thought all these people that have been sober a long time are telling me they did this. If I don't do it, I'll drink again. But Did they
0: teach you how to get along better with your parents? It sounds like you were picking up some wisdom to
1: some extent, but my mom, the person that she was is a lot of why we got along better. And then therapy and, Wait, trying to live different
0: she, like she was making an effort.
1: Yeah, she was making an effort.
0: So you moved in and it it's like a movie. Yeah.
1: She made an it's effort and I made an effort and sometimes we still were at odds but we weren't viciously fighting each other because I didn't want to do that anymore. Was there
0: a moment that comes to mind when you think of this reconnection?
1: Um you mean uh what like you- something you did or well, it was like um, I'm afraid that I'm uh, just being long-winded, but here's how how I would handle things differently. Sometimes it's so dumb. We were having like a it was Christmas, maybe. People, my brother and his wife and baby are coming over. My sister is there, and. My my mom said something to me about food that I took as a criticism and her calling me fat, which is not what she said. But that's how I took it. And I wanted to tell her to fuck off. And instead I took my dog on a walk and while I was on the walk I just kept going over it and feeling like, you know, I'm not going to let people treat me like this anymore, that she's being unreasonable and cruel. But if I confront her I'm going to ruin Christmas because people are coming over Mm. (laughs) and I don't want to be having causing a fight. So I prayed to whatever I thought might be out there. Help me deal with this situation without being a doormat and without hurting anyone else. Mm. And then I swear when I got back, my mom's attitude towards me was different. She wasn't critical and judgmental. And the rest of the day was fine. And it felt like something intervened. Yeah. And I don't know if it did. There's no way to know. But it felt like it. But the fact that instead of just saying that what she said was hurtful and insensitive and I'm going to tell her, I said, let me try to not start have a fight.
0: Right. I guess deliberate. You were conscious. Yeah. You know, what intervened was you and what intervened to her was her.
1: I mean, other things
0: might have intervened. I'm, I'm totally open to that. But for sure, you sort of intervened on yourself.
1: Well, yeah, and I partly because of the 12-step group of that idea of, like, don't cause harm, you know? Whether you feel like you're justified in, like, sticking up for yourself, which people are, but, like, don't – if you can avoid it, don't pick a fight. yeah. <laughs> A lot of it boils down to if you don't start a fight, you won't have to apologize later for your part in that right. fight
0: right that's another doesn't everybody enjoy pizza
1: right
0: like, don't be a doormat have the right. fight it's like okay it's a it's another addiction it's an identity addiction. We never exist harder or more concretely than when we're in a fight. you know what I mean, so there is a type of existence addiction
1: and there are sometimes you you need to um set hard boundaries with uh with harmful people but my mom wasn't that kind of person yeah. she was a, a damaged person and because of all that and then moving back to texas i just w we just i would call her every day when i lived in texas and i would end every conversation saying i love you and she would say it back we never Send that to each other for the first 35 so years of my a, life.
0: You broke a pattern.
1: And I broke her spirit by saying, I love you and forcing her to say it back. I'm just love, kidding. I that was a dumb. I broke her spirit. I loved it. I, and liked, I
0: forced her to say it I back. I like
1: to think of making my parents say, I love you, as breaking their spirit.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. But you did. And, and then when did, were you living, you weren't living with her when she got sick. You were second season of Baskets. Right. So you did the show. Now you're moving out. Mm-hmm. Then she gets sick, sexies,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then. Sexies. Sexies. And then, I know, such a serious thing to be saying sexies during. And then you got the time off to be with her. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering how that was for your relationship.
1: Well, um, I felt like I was uh, taking care of her in some ways that made me feel. Like uh, Just a different version of what that mother-daughter relationship I'd always wanted it to be I wanted it to be that she made me feel taken care of when I was a kid But to get to have that feeling with her as an adult Where I was taking care of her and wanting to Not, not that I was her caregiver Like She lived, when she got sick She and my dad had just bought a house with my brother and his wife and moved into it and then within a month she had a really bad fall and um i won't go into the everything but just that when she was dying over the course of the next i think six months four four to six months whatever just being with her all the time and trying to get her stuff that would give her comfort and Sometimes just sitting with her Because she was checking out more and more The mm. closer she was to death So
2: mm-hmm.
1: And I was holding her hand when she took her last breath And I did hope and expect That I would feel a supernatural presence Leaving her body And I didn't I was kind of mad at, Not at her but about Did you like that.
0: candles though? You gotta have candles to flicker That's on you
1: <laughs> If you like, do you like
0: candles Or like wispy <laughs> curtains and an open window That's on you
1: My mom, though, knowing her, even if that was something... An option. She would have been like, I'm not going to make a scene. I'm not doing... I'm not doing that.
0: Like a spirit with a white kind of fedora is like, do you want to (laughs) flicker the candles? And she's like, no, no, No. no, Let's not bother anyone.
1: She would have been embarrassed by that. She wouldn't have done it. But, yeah, that's... It it made me... It made me not have any regrets about the end of her life because I was able to be there in a way that um, made me get to have as much of her as I could and made, I think, a difference to her. Did
0: she have an I love baseball moment?
1: No, because um, it happened, uh, it was kind of, it went from a Thursday, her going back, she kept going in and out of the hospital with infections. Um, Going in on a Thursday, that Friday, uh, the doctors uh, or that Thursday her doctor um, urging her to sign a do not do not resuscitate because of how awful it would have been if she stopped breathing and they brought her back and I won't go into why but just physically it would have been traumatic and mm-hmm. and she wasn't going to get better regardless <laughs> Friday the MRI says the pneumonia in her lungs looks a little better so maybe she's going to go home and then Sunday, she went home to die, and she died Monday. So it happened so fast. And mm. from Sunday to Monday, she was unconscious. So there weren't any last words. By the time we knew, and and maybe she knew, who knows that she was. It was over. that it was past the point of talking. You're still,
0: um, not that it's a game, but you were still in the motions of like maybe better, maybe worse. Maybe right. We're looking at numbers and and predicting future. And yeah. then all of a sudden it it was not that game anymore.
1: But the Thursday she went in 3 days before she died, I had a um 12 step meeting that night. It was right before it was December um my so my sobriety date is December 20th. She died on December 19th. Um but it was a Christmas thing with 12 mm, step. Mm. And I left the hospital and I was walking out um her caregiver called me back and said she just wanted you to come back she wanted to tell you she loved you which we had already said to each other but she didn't realize it and that was the last thing really and that's i'm lucky some people have moms who they could make every effort in the world and their mom's never gonna be loving towards them and i feel really lucky that that was right who she was that's why
0: it's helpful to talk about this stuff i i Obviously, on this podcast, I love complaining. There they are. That's a picture of my family up there. Um, And I love complaining about them because that's been therapeutic for me to kind of like be honest about what it was like. Right. And my mother and my father both and my brother. No, there was no doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah. These people love me. Right. These people care about me. They might have had their blind spots. They might still have some blind spots. Right. But like this is what wisdom feels like to me as as we're adults now. They did their best. They did their I know people say this all the time, they're just people. It's okay. It's okay. Everything that happened is okay. It happened and we're moving forward. And and I'm trying to focus more on some of the positives, even though they, they do drive me crazy.
1: Yeah. I want to be, <laughs> want well, to be my, very clear. And I felt driven crazy a lot living with my parents as an a sober adult, but more because my dad and I would have clashes, but certainly not. If I had lived with them when I wasn't sober, there's a chance my dad and I might have actually murdered each other. Or really? one of us murdered the other. Yeah. We both have a lot of anger, and with alcohol, it's out of control. Really? Yeah. So it, that I could have been like Marvin Gaye, except not successful. Just killed by my dad. So or killing never, my dad. You
0: never wrote what's going on.
1: I didn't. I tried to take credit for it on the first <laughs> season of Bones, and they didn't believe me. <laughs> I can't stop calling back. Uh, I don't back. understand. Didn't you do improv? No, that's terrifying. That's terrifying to me. You're such
0: a good yes and or. I
1: just like pretending absurd stuff is true. That's what acting is. Yeah.
0: To me, somebody told me the story, I've said it a million. Ted Danson did a scene on some show, like a later show, like The Good Place or something. Mm -hmm. He finishes the take and he goes, Isn't acting embarrassing? I was like, (laughs) That's the job, is acting like it's not embarrassing. And it is embarrassing.
1: Don't you fucking love Ted Danson for.
0: I know. All that he is. Teddy D, please do this podcast.
1: He's a... He's, you can um, get Ted D. ...lovely person. Ted D! I mean, I don't personally know him or any famous people except Zach and Louie, but... Um, mm. But uh, I, I love him.
0: love Louie's character on that show. There's a, there's all these like reasons why Baskets is great, and one of them is it's a family, biological and otherwise... Like hanging out and staying together, and right. kind of what we're talking about, they want to make it work. I know you right. know your show, but I'm just saying, like Louis's character. Yeah. Even though I'm sure I know Louis based it on his own mother, and I'm sure he had issues with his mother. But there's something about someone who just defaults to like, look at those jeans. Those are great jeans. Where do you right. get them? I'm gonna get those. Yeah. I'm gonna get a pair of those jeans. I it's love just it. Like, that's so. And she calls the room service and like. Makes small talk with her. And I'm like, I know this woman. I love this woman.
1: And calls Dasani water Dasanti and talks about how the bottles are like art pieces.
0: I love it.
1: And And that that made me laugh so hard. Loves
0: Costco. Like gets joy from it. Like we're talking about Captain Morgan and different styles of happiness. Like I really believe that a deal at Costco makes this woman feel alive in a way that yeah. I've only achieved with intense psychedelics.
1: <laughs> it is really sweet and funny, and he's so great She's, at
0: it. I, I, and you just said she, didn't you?
1: Why well, said he? Oh, but I always yeah. say she. Even yeah.
0: even though I know it's Louie, when we talk about the character, it's it just yeah. transcends. It's it's a person. It might as yeah. well be a person to me.
1: I agree. I don't. Yeah, I agree. There's something he's doing with that she. that I don't. I'm that just she. I, I,
0: by the way, yeah. I'm not making a trans or, or what people. I believe pronouns are important and
1: oh, I powerful.
0: Didn't. I'm I just d- being very sensitive. <laughs> that wasn't like a energy joke. No, I, I know. I think that's important. Yeah, and I, I respect that. Um, are we at two twenty? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Katie, I'm long-winded, Pete. I'm I really long-winded. Was, I told you it was an hour thirty when the whole thing happened. Oh, I didn't like. Sorry, so, Pete. I didn't like looking at you. I go. It's an hour thirty. <laughs> it's my fault because I had told all, all those long stories. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I kept
0: talking. I talk too much. I also love that Zach is mean to you because he's such a low-status character. There's this relief when he can be with you and be really mean to you.
1: It's also funny that people sometimes will react to me in real life at comedy shows like mad that he's mean. I'm like, I forget that his character is mean because in real life he's like a fairy godmother. He's sweet, and he doesn't have to be. He could be... A dick who gave me the best job in the world And I would still be grateful But he's yeah. actually sweet
0: No, I, I think because I've made a show I watch shows a little bit differently So I appreciate that Like, I'm like, right. it's a show She's on the show This is a good situation So, like, the meanness doesn't bother me But right. like, he's being shit on 90% of the time Especially in the earlier seasons Right. And then when he It's such a relief when he's in your car And he's making fun of you and I just love that he gets to score and be funny. He
1: gets to dunk on me.
0: He gets to dunk on me, exactly. <laughs> what is your higher power? We don't have to go forever about this. I don't know if you know we talk about God at the end of these podcasts.
1: Um, I do, and I thought I had filled, up, filled it up with so much long wind that you would say, well, we've run out of time.
0: No, I was just checking a text from the nanny who you met, Katie, just making sure. Not this okay. Katie, different Katie, with a Y. Two,
1: the two Katies. Between um, two
0: Katies is my... Web's, between two
1: friends but it's between two katies yeah. um i love it um i don't really know i think uh i don't know i when i pray it's i think of i'm praying to a uh force field rather than an entity but that's and my experience is when i ask for that force field to be with me and help me through something it doesn't mean help me get the outcome i want it just means i don't have to go through it alone yeah, That's basically how I think of it.
0: And to cope with whatever happens.
1: Right. Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah, I definitely. not to put words in your mouth. No, yeah, definitely. Instead of
0: changing the outcome, it's like... That's like the serenity prayer, right? I mean, right. it's like, please... Just like... I used to pray to change outcomes in my favor. I had the capitalistic, Pete-centric... Yeah. me too. ...that wanted Pete's story, like the TV show of Pete, to thrive and flourish and all that right. sort of stuff. And now... Uh, I know I've said this before, but it used to be like, please don't let me die. It's like you with the TV show. I'm going to die. Right. And now I'm like, please let me accept and be present no matter what's going my way or not my way.
1: Right. And that's what I think about when I'm flying because I'm afraid of flying. So I think if the plane goes down, I want to have my mind be connecting with even if it's not real, a higher power that makes me feel like, well, we're together and maybe I'm about to go on to the other side where I'll get to see, be closer to whatever that is. Yeah. Instead of just balls out panic, which every time there's turbulence, I feel balls out panic, but I'd love to be the other way. You know, it's
0: tricky because I so relate to what you just said and you're such a compassionate person having talked to you for this two and a half hours, if I may. Having that compassion for yourself, I find it very helpful to say, "I am the universe panicking." You know what I mean? Like, because I I would feel like I could see myself feeling like it's a failure that I'm afraid, or that I'm angry, or in this, I'm like, "This is it." I like, this is okay too. Like, I can have so much compassion for others. I'm trying more to be like, "Yeah, my last moments, I very likely will be a complete titty baby, (laughs) and just be like, (laughs) meh." And like my last words are like, I love baseball. Like it could be a complete F minus. Can I love that too? Can I say yes to that too?
1: Well, um, Tig almost was in a plane crash once and told me that she and the stranger next to her held hands and said, I love you to each other. And I was like, that's, but then the self compassion, the little bit of progress I've made is,
0: are they still in touch?
1: No. Never, I'm sure they never saw each other again.
0: <laughs> but, you know, there's even something beautiful about that. That's what yeah. I'm saying about eat a cookie, our yeah. politics. That's what you're saying about sobriety. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I know we disagree about this, but we're all on an airplane. Right. That's my point. That's one of the big philosophies of my life, is we think we're only on a crashing airplane when we're on a crashing airplane. We're always on a crashing airplane. Right. And we, And therefore, there's times when we need to put aside... I'm this huge uh, liberal or I'm this huge conservative or whatever and just go take someone's hand and go, I love you. That's, That's exactly what I'm fucking talking about. But we lose the big picture or the small picture that we're all in a turbulent airplane all of the time. And we're just acting like there's other things going on. But you are a part of a very fragile miracle right all the time
1: but if you think about how fragile we are all the time you won't be i wouldn't be able to go about my business
0: i'm the opposite i by everything being fragile makes nothing fragile hmm. that's how i I go so hard into it i go out into another dimension where you, you know what i mean i'm like my brain could explode my heart could explode i'm like okay yeah so if I'm never any more in danger or less in danger. I know statistically I am perhaps more in danger when I'm on the highway than right now.
1: Especially with L.A. drivers, am I right? Mm
0: -hmm. Sorry. Don't you dare doubt yourself. (laughs) I'm going to carve you, every month I'm going to carve you an Emmy and send it to you. Just so you'll start to see yourself how we see you.
1: Well... Um, I just most of the time feel really lucky and grateful and then think about what's going on in the world and feel horrified and then sometimes oversleep or binge watch below deck and then try to just go, hey, once in a while, people need an escape. It's not the end of the world. Instead of what I used to do, which is, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're in a pit. If you don't start climbing, you'll never get out. As opposed to just, hey, once in a while, you... You watch it's a reality show. I know. Yeah.
0: That's the joy that Val gets out of watching RuPaul's Drag Race, which to me looks like I'm lost in a Japanese techno mall. You know what I mean? (laughs) Where, like, there's a bright pink wall and I'm just, I feel very 40. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I can't! I can't! But I see she gets real joy. This is, it sounds condescending. I mean, I mean it. Yeah. The same bullshit joy I get out of watching the tan, khaki color palette of madmen like everybody yeah. just needs a break sometimes fucking right here's the point relax here's also what i'm getting from you we don't know what's going on the other thing i'm getting from you that's okay the other thing i'm getting from you if you want to pray to an energy that's fine richard grower would say the reason why we um apply that energy to symbol systems like christ or a god or this or that is is it's to help us fall in love with it Right. It's like he says we have a hard time falling in love with an energy. So that's why we tend to deify these things or uh, anthropomorphize these things. That makes sense. Whatever gets you there, it doesn't matter. When you say a force field, I pictured a beautiful, almost like lens flare in the Star Trek movies, like a beautiful light. I can fall in love with that. Because I can give that attributes that I can relate to, which goes back to my fish joke. And now we're just everything's folding in on itself as I go. I don't eat things I could be friends with and I can't be friends with a fish.
1: OK, well, I have some <laughs> bad news for you. I actually was friends with one fish one time. So
0: I'd like to talk to the fish about it.
1: Um, he's probably dead. Long dead. Probably, this was 25 years ago.
0: Well, how are you friends?
1: He was a blowfish in a little aquarium at a place that I worked. And every time I would go up to the tank, he would come over and blow and he just would look at me and he'd follow my finger on the glass. He probably thought I was going to give him food, but a lot of fish don't do that.
0: All pet lovers need to get over the idea. Do they love me or is it food that I've learned with a dog? Because when we first got the dog, I was like, he just wants food. And Val was like. I know, but we all pretend that they love us.
1: Okay, but people say that about dogs and cats, but like... Then why are they why do they love each other? They're not giving each other food. Right. They are capable of love.
0: I just you're very true to respond in that way because I did sound like a person that doesn't believe No, love. I
1: don't think that you but were saying I also,
0: that I also do. Even <laughs> when I get mad at him I see in his face I'm sorry that I did the thing that I do seventy five times a day. Like he feels bad. He wants to be a good He's boy. A good
1: He's a good fella. He's a good fella and, he, fella and he
0: watched your dogs when your mom was sick. Yeah, and your cats.
1: Yeah, and he wore great. He had great taste in ties. I feel like a little nervous about now. I'm I'm making you go so long with this. Oh, I don't care. I don't have okay. anything
0: until tonight, and we're almost done. Okay, we're basically just going to say because we we did talk about death and the meaning of life and all these heavy things and how dairy also involves murder,
1: which is a heartbreaking information oh, it's
0: almost comical if you ever see how they make eggs and they have the baby chicks and they're looking for the girls and uh. then they take the boys and they just put <gasps> them in basically a paper shredder it's almost i'm saying that's heartbreaking but i've gone i've again i've pushed through it so hard that it's so absurd that it just makes me go like i, I don't know I can't even. I can't even let. That oh my
1: in. god! Now I have to be vegan. What an awful thing to so, find out.
0: That's all it took.
1: No, I mean, I I knew you get. Whips that's why people of hate.
0: That's why people hate vegans is because they know that they have intel <laughs> that would make you a vegan, and they're well, like,
1: "Please, I just
0: want to eat a Twix."
1: I thought. Please. I thought that I love Twix. Um, Look, you're never going to get bad feedback from me about candy. I think it's the best thing in the world. I thought that the dairy stuff was just that they kept dairy cows in um, industrial farms where they didn't have a lot of space to roam around. And then if you got organic, more expensive milk, maybe they were in a dairy, I mean in a pasture. And that eggs would be like, they don't. I just was hoping there is cruelty free no, stuff, but like if that's what they're doing, make getting eggs. You yeah. don't have to kill chickens to take their eggs, but that's what they're doing, and they're killing well, cows. We have too
0: many of them to So get it's, milk. it's like the, the cows have to be pregnant to <sighs> be lactating.
1: Really, God. Well, how do I not know and that I'm fifty one years born. old?
0: I know, dude. I remember where I was when I learned that, and it was like a couple years ago. Someone's like they're lactating that's because they're pregnant and they're pregnant means they're having babies and when they have male babies most of the time they're just killing the male baby
1: cows too? they're not making them they're not raising them they don't
0: need that many fucking if they're always Uh, pregnant they don't uh, need that many fucking cows it's too expensive you talk about your show getting cancelled it's too expensive to raise the cow so they kill the cow it's it's just money you are so bummed out right now (laughs)
1: But don't, I mean, if
0: it's a female, they might keep it and then, you know, keep it pregnant and kill the right. babies. There's a really <laughs> good. This is a bummer. This episode is a bummer.
1: Well, guess what? Anyone who's ever heard me on a podcast is not going to be surprised at they that. They know
0: that you're a real dick. I downer. love
1: to wipe the smiles off of people's faces on podcasts. It's not on purpose, but it but happens this time it every to time.
0: You. I bummed you out about baby. I had chicks. it
1: coming. Of all <laughs> the podcast hosts whose lives I have bummed oh, out, I had it It's about time somebody well, now turned the table. We really need
0: the palate cleanse. Okay. And by the way, and I say this whenever I talk about that meat dairy stuff, mm. no judgment. I ate that stuff. I still occasionally yeah. will eat cake. I'm full of shit. Like we need to concede that mm. this is my point: is you can eat vegan most of the time. And, and still make an impact on the planet okay. and to animals' lives and all that stuff. Mm. I just don't want to get too binary about this, which is why, first of all, I like cookies. And secondly, I don't want to be, take myself too seriously because, like you said, nature is no picnic. Uh, what's the hardest time you've laughed in your life? The time you laughed the hardest in your, life, in your life. Or one of them.
1: One of them, just I'll say about, because it's from Baskets. In season one, after Christine Baskets goes in the hospital, diabetic coma comes home and has to test her blood. Um, (laughs) When we were shooting that, and it's a scene where the whole family is at the house, the cousins or nieces and whatever, everybody.
0: The DJs.
1: The DJs, and they are supposed to prick Louie's finger, and the squawk that he let out that I wasn't expecting... Um, I started laughing and I couldn't stop. I turned my back on the camera (laughs) and was doubled over and I couldn't stop. And then every time I watch that episode it makes me laugh really hard.
0: There's a couple moments where it looks like you guys, and I love it, so it's not a criticism, but it looks like you're trying really hard not to laugh. And that makes me so happy. The scene where Zach Zach takes your glasses off in the bar, it looked like it was 100% just you guys trying to make each other laugh. And it's one of my favorite scenes. But it's so clearly that, in my opinion, fucking yeah. with you, trying to make you break. And i that's one of my favorite things in the world.
1: He and Louie are great at just spontaneously doing something off script that makes everybody laugh. That scene with Dale where we're supposed We were supposed to kiss. I couldn't. I was shaking. I was so nervous. What do you mean? Um, just, I don't... Uh, that's such a uh, intimate thing to do with a bunch of people watching. I couldn't do it. I almost was gonna cry. I was that like, well,
0: that's how you I can cry. can't,
1: I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. And then Zach and John were like, the, especially Zach's attitude is like, then we don't, don't. There's no reason to get upset. We just won't do it. Like he's very and uh, we just won't do it, Martha. Yeah, it's not. We won't do it. It's not worth. It. One time I was showing what you want. Kind of enunciates. He's an enunciator. Although in real life he's not. He doesn't act that way. He just was like, "We don't have to do it if you're gonna be (laughs) (laughs) upset about it." But then it was, it was Dale's my favorite character. So any scene with Dale, there the scene that the next season when they go on a date to a movie and then Dale gets mad, um, the it wasn't in the script. One take. Zach goes you selfish prick. And then we all started laughing and then they ended up using that version, but that wasn't in the, yeah, he's always, he and Louis make me laugh all the time.
0: I, as your manager, you need to start perpetuating the story that you are a great actor. You love acting.
1: Best of luck to anyone trying to convince people if they've seen any of the things I've acted in. But I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'm a great actor.
0: You're going to be in other shows. I mean, it's the last season of basket.
1: I don't know. I might end up going back to school and becoming an English teacher.
0: That's what they all say. (laughs) That's what all the second, third leads of FX comedy shows say.
1: I'm lucky I ever was allowed onto any kind of set. That's how I look at it. But I feel good about it. Like, I look what I got to do, which was unexpected. If that's all there is, it was great.
0: You're a fun friend. <laughs> You're a fun friend, if that's all I got. Man. I mean,
1: that's still more than most people ever get to do. There's so many actors in L.A. who never even get any part on TV or movies. I know.
0: That sort of hit me. Af- I don't think I was... A- I- allowing myself to let that thought in when I did my show. But now I drive around and I see other wonderful actors, and I'm like, they gave me a show. It actually helps me get in touch with my gratitude. It sounds like a dark moment. It's more like a, they would have loved that show. You got that show. Feel happy that you got to do that show. It sounds... I hope it sounds like I mean it to It's gratitude Yeah
1: it is but it's also normal to still also be Like I'm sad that Baskets is ending For a lot of reasons including that it was My employment Yeah, And that's normal No one's excited to be unemployed Unless they're independently wealthy Are you going
0: to do Standing Up?
1: Because you could
0: do the Martha Kelly Cashin tour
1: Oh Pete There's no market for that
0: (laughs) Are you smoking me?
1: Well, you I need did a, a tour.
0: creative touring agent.
1: I did a tour last summer with a couple friends, and um, we had it was called the No Refunds Tour, and we ended up giving That's... refunds because we had to cancel a couple shows in the South for l- lack of ticket sales. I don't know what I'm going to do. I I'm gonna um, <laughs> I'm gonna my biggest plan right now is get ankle surgery, do Bikram yoga, now add veganism into it. So probably I will weigh seven pounds by the time i'm done with all that and that's the dream for any actor in los angeles
0: is to be thin
1: to be a grown person who weighs under 10 pounds
0: you are fun i don't know what's happening you're <laughs> you're turning up the heat as i'm trying to end the episode i'm sorry
1: let's i i'm, <laughs> I'm trying it's to treacherous trying i won't let you out. i'm sorry okay let's wrap it up no um,
0: it's it's always okay to be delightful but you're not Mom. really giving me a moment to be like,
1: "All right." I know how cause to, It's too fun. I know how to bring the room down and make you want to turn off the mic. Can I plug my new podcast? Cause you have a podcast? Mm, heartbreakingly, yes, I do. With my friend Michelle Balloon, who's very funny. I don't know what our podcast is about, and we've done eight episodes, so I don't... Is it
0: called the No Refunds Podcast? It's
1: called the All Refunds. <laughs> All we do is refund people who listen to it for free. They don't even pay.
0: Yeah, but you send out I checks. send them
1: money. It's called it Disagree to Agree with Michelle and Martha. I just had to say it. I, I can't really agree sell it. Disagree with
0: Michelle and Martha. Yeah. Well, that's great. Everybody go listen to... Uh, degreeing with Michelle Balloon.
1: Disagree to agree with Michelle Degree, and Martha. Shalom. Listen to it or simply.
0: Subscribe and don't listen.
1: Ra- subscribe, rate, and review and never listen. No one will be the wiser. Yeah. That's how I look at it.
0: But no premise. No guests?
1: Well, part of it, no. Part of it is a part. Just you gals. Part of it is definitely the plan to turn your whole life around. But we also end up talking about a bunch of stupid shit. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm sorry I'm so long winded that we've gone way over.
2: You know
0: what we call this? A day off. (laughs) I people I say this all the time. Clearly I'm sensitive about it. People are like you interrupt a lot, you talk a lot. I'm like I'm trying to get the guest to do what you did. Which Which is Which is
1: be long winded.
0: Come with the goods, not be long winded.
1: I told, people want to listen much. to this
0: they, them, they want the Martha experience and you gave it to them and it was long but so I'm is So, sorry,
1: sorry it was so long but thank you for having me thank
0: you for being had and would you say we did it keep it crispy, that's how we end
1: oh keep it crispy bye <laughs> 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 I'm, so I'm so crispy I'm so crispy my ice cream.